It's Sean and Kevin's Infinite Movie Crisis. Roll the dice. Accept your movie fate. Welcome back, everybody, to Sean and Kevin's Infinite Movie Crisis. Oh, oh, okay. I, I mean, like, are you going to fix that in post? I'll fix it. Like... No, no, it was glorious is what it was. No, I mean, what I mean by fi- I'm sorry, not fix in post, but like, did you did, did you hire, like, for theme music? No, that was all me, dude. I'm learning how to beatbox. Oh, I, well, yeah. Uh, uh, why? The, because I want people to start calling me Mr. Box. Oh. <laughs> oh. No one wants that. You don't want that, do you? I don't want that, but now that I said it, I kind of do. It's in the, it's in the ether. It exists now. I I, I put out there Mr. Box. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Mr. Uh, a table for two for a box. Mr. Box. It just says Mr. There's no na- there's no first name. His name is your full legal name is Mr. Space Box. Anyway, acapella sucks. Moving yeah. on. If you don't know what this podcast is, good for you. Uh, this is where two buffoons. Oh, oh, a good word. I know. We definitely didn't use that before. Yeah, uh, this isn't rehearsed. Definitely not rehearsed. Two buffoons just talk about movies. We don't just talk about any movies, Kevin. How do we talk about movies? Well, every week, well, every every week for the podcast, we watch a movie and, and we dissect it as much as we can, make a bunch of goofs about it, and then we determine what we watch. Instead of just watching all good movies and all bad movies, we watch all kinds of movies. Roll from one to ten. Uh, one being just the worst. Just the worst. Just just awful. Those are what we just call the worst. that's what we call Kevin movies. Yeah, I I've rolled I rolled one, and the only one who rolled one so far, but like yeah. But if, uh, if, you, it's fair. if you roll a ten, you roll the best movies. We call those Sean movies. I mean, do you want the statistical breakdown? I'm gonna give it to you right, right now. Alright, give it to me, give it to me, give it to our we listeners. Start, I, I've done this before, but yeah. like we started we started going back and forth rolling because I rolled too many fours or whatever. Yes. Uh four fours in like six tries. It was fucking ridiculous. Current average Granted, I've rolled four more times than Sean. My current average is 5.22 garbage. out of 10, which is, no, it's not garbage. It's actually, like, not not trying to sound like a guy with a small dick, but it's average, goddammit, Sean. 5.2, that's a huge dick, dude. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the, the expectation value or the average value you should get is 5.5, right? When you average a 10-sided die roll, you should get 5.5 because you can't roll a zero. So that's what you, your average should be. So my rolls are below average. That is true. Your current average through six rolls is a 7.6. It's really good. It's fucking ridiculous. You've rolled an 8, a 9, and a 10 all in a row. You got that hot start to the season, baby. I really have, baby. I'm like uh, uh, the guy in the White Sox who started off hitting like 500. And then, uh-huh. but then his average plummeted to like 190. I sit back down to the minus. Right, because MLB is the most statistics-driven thing ever. You, you always, just... as somebody put it this way, you always go back to your baseball card. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so right now, I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of low, like, you know, just wallowing in an average hitting streak. Sean's got that crazy going on. I'm ready for your Chris Davis. Yeah. You know what I mean? My, I'm, ready, the, I'm ready for that 52, was it 54 hit, like, streak without a hit? Something yeah, like something that. insane. Whatever. You're waiting for me to sign the big contract and then just stop hitting forever. Yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. That's what I'm waiting for right there, baby. To the point that people but, are like, uh, literally like, just 
everyone's like, like socialists are like, you should give some of that money back. <laughs> give it back to the King Glomerate. You got, you did them dirty. I know, right? <laughs> You're not even giving entertainment. But Kevin, what did we uh, watch this week? And who rolled it? Well, you, you rolled a Sean roll. You rolled a 10. Yeah, baby. Uh, and we watched uh, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time, dot, dot, dot. In Hollywood. That's right. We did the ninth film by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, this is a movie you've never seen before, right? First time, baby. Yeah, uh, when it came out in 2019. I just, I didn't see it in theaters, and I think I should have. Like, you know, just stayed off the bat. I enjoyed it. That was great. I, it was really good. Holy, I love this movie. It is my second favorite Quentin Tarantino film at this behind point. Glorious Bastards, right? Behind the Glorious Inglorious Bastards, I think. See, I have such a completely different ranking. I love that about Tarantino movies. Well, I, I think, well, I was going to get to this, but when yeah. I was doing my research for us this podcast... I found out a lot of people don't like this movie, and I I thought yeah, like the critical consensus is still pretty popular, but amongst the common folk, a lot of people don't like this movie, which I think is just preposterous. And it's not for you know again we'll get into it when we get into the weeds. There's a lot of criticism for portrayal of of certain historical figures. Yes, we'll talk um, about that in, I think in a second. But, but it's I mean, not just that, right? Am I understanding no? That I was seeing a lot of people just thought it was very long and slow, and like it just didn't have that same you know kind of. Uh, I'll call it like Django S just kind of zip to it. Because this yeah, is, Django's Django's the one that's like it it flies by. Even though that one's also like what two it's, and a half. It's, it's actually longer than this. It's two hours and forty five minutes. This is two hours and forty. Yeah, that is a long movie that like fucking flies by. This one does not have the same pace, obviously, but that's not the point. You know, it's just a, it's a different movie entirely. It's a completely different film. It's, it's not your classic Tarantino revenge you know bloody gore you know over the top violence uh until the super course super course until the end of this film spoilers like well uh, yeah i i i said that uh uh you know i I said that off mic basically (laughs) at this point yeah yeah that uh up until the final sequence i thought to myself this is it's got some aspects of his directing style because tarantino is very distinct yes but I felt that this was the least Tarantino-y of his nine movies. Uh, I think so. I mean, here's the thing. It's still very Tarantino. It just, I agree. It's, it is. It's like just, I said, there's there. I think, the least one. You know why? And I think it's why I like is because it's so much more kind of self-reflective. Sure. And he's like kind of looking back on like his past and mortality to an extent. Because he's an older guy. He's, he just hit 60 this year. Yep. Uh, you know, he said before that his next movie after this will be his last and he's, he's, wants- he's not that he's not that young skinny white guy dropping n bombs and fucking <laughs> no and it's one of those things like in pulp fiction anymore well that's why i think tarantino gets such a bad rap is because he does stuff like that and he's unapologetic uh when in a society that demands constant uh you know you know you have to adhere to a certain level of i hate the term political correctness right right and his films are so authentically him and authentic to his characters that he writes like i don't care what anybody says like all of his characters feel, even the most minor, feel well-rounded out. Like, there's no just, like, kind of, you know, like, just in there. Like, there's no, you know, I think a lot. Like, a lot of people think, I think when they saw this, they thought it was going to be, like, a Sharon Tate-driven revenge mm-hmm. flick, right? And, like, oh, like, that, like, a la Kill Bill. And, like, mm-hmm. oh, she'll get, like, like Inglourious Bastard, where she gets revenge on the Manson family. That's just not what this is. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, with most movies, you get a feel for the tone in the trailers, yeah, right, yes, like, and, and that's just generally the point of a trailer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's completely off. Like once in a while, it's like completely off from yeah. what it's supposed to be. Definitely, um, there's a lot of examples of that, but like they're they're fewer and far between. The this one, I don't think I watched a single trailer for this. Yeah, I, I watched the trailers for it, and they actually are pretty accurate to what this is. 
Yeah. There's no so um, like what like I don't know where they got that idea from. Very, his his past works, right? Yeah, I think well, with Tarantino, you have an idea of what it's going to be in your head, and yeah. this was so not because like I th- said this before, this is like his first I think straight up comedy because it's about two and that, I think that's again where people don't like Tarantino films is that his protagonists are not heroes ever. They're never like yeah. just straight up noble. Come along, Jennifer. We gotta stop the doohickey from exploding to save the earth. They're ex- usually extremely flawed men. For some reason, I thought you were doing the fake Liam Neeson voice from Family Guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Come on, we gotta rustle these cattle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I mean, it's as far as like this was this was did well at the box office. It did right? very well. Why don't I get into the full breakdown of the film? Yeah, give me a breakdown. That we've given our general thoughts. So, once upon a time in Hollywood. Actor Rick Dalton gained fame and fortune by starring in a 1950s television western, but is now struggling to find meaningful work in a Hollywood that doesn't recognize him anymore. He spends most of his time drinking and palling around with Cliff Booth, his easygoing best friend and longtime stunt double. Rick also happens to live next, to Ro- next door to Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate, the filmmaker and budding actress whose futures will forever be altered by the members of the Manson family. This film was directed by and written by Quentin Tarantino. The cinematographer was Robert Richardson. The film stars Leonardo DiCaprio as Rick Dalton, Brad Pitt as Cliff Booth, Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate. Um, those are the three main ones, but I guess I'll just Emil Hirsch as Jay Sebring, Margaret Qualley as, as Pussycat, Timothy Oliphant as James Stacy, and a lot of famous people's kids. <laughs> Let's just put it at that. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> a lot of that. Before we, and there's also a lot of like not they're not cameos, but famous people playing small roles. Yeah, and it it takes place in 1969. Yeah. Right. And so the vibes are like, I mean, it's it's over the top with the 60s and early 70s vibe, which mm-hmm. it's supposed to. Yeah. Obviously. Well, that's the thing, too. Um, it's like 69 is like this weird linchpin year in history. It is. It's a, it really a, is. It's weird. A lot of stuff happened just that year. Like a lot of crazy stuff. The hippie. Summer of love, movie, baby. Summer of love. Fight against Vietnam. We put a man on the moon. The Mets won the World Series. The most important part of that year. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that's really important. Right? That's, that's the most important part of the thing to bring up. Yeah, so it was, it was pretty. The oh, wait, I, I lied. I lied. Summer of Love was sixty-seven. Ah, I lied. It's all. It's I all. Lied. It's all. Gro- it's all groovy, baby. Yeah. See, as, well, okay. So that's the reason I brought it up. Yeah. And this is just a point I wanted to put out there. Watching the movie in yeah. general, it wasn't. It was. It wasn't as bad as as I've had it before. Yeah. But partially watching this movie, I personally felt like I was taking a history exam that I did not study for. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> like, that's the thing too. Is like a lot of the appreciation of this film comes from your appreciation of nineteen sixties uh, Hollywood. Which is right, and the, that's and you you said that yourself. Like that's from that's what Tarantino's going for here. Right? Exactly, because that's where, how Tarantino grew up. I think a lot of people, the more you know about Tarantino as the person, you understand his works better. Like, yeah. uh, you know, obviously his dad left him in Tennessee, and his mom and his stepfather moved out to California, where he grew up around Hollywood film culture. And a lot of people don't know this. He was raised by a black man in the seventies with a white mom, which was very complicated. Which is why right. he he does feel the, the ability to use the n word n word cavalierly because he was brought up by it's a whole thing. But right. yeah, yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So this is what he was paying homage to, and he, what he did is spend all his time was watching fucking TV and movies. Yep. Uh, which is that's why he's paying such authentic dedication to it. Um, so the movie was released on July 26, 2019. It currently sits with a 7.6 on IMDb, an 83, really? an 83 on Metacritic, an 85% okay. on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. It has it's made a $41 million opening weekend uh, and $142 million totally domestically with $373 million worldwide and a $90 million budget. So this was an absolute hit. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, if I had to guess, mm-hmm. that would be driven mostly by who's in it. 
Yes, will be you got the two biggest movie stars of all time to be the two leads. Pretty, I mean, they're up there. I don't know about all time, but they're up there. Uh, well, here's the thing: like they are movie stars because they don't have to play a superhero to, for people to go see their movies. That's yeah, th- that's a very good point. Right? Not, that's like they're not playing superheroes, but people definitely saw this movie. People see Leonardo DiCaprio movies because they know Leonardo DiCaprio makes good movies. That yeah. everyone's that's like even hit, what's like DiCaprio's like worst movies like J. Edgar Hoover. And, yeah, it is Jay Edgar, and that is not his fault. And that's not his fault. He probably just wanted to work with Clint Eastwood before he died. Right, and like, and 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 before Leo died, movie, not Clint. Clint's gonna live forever. Right, and and yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Leo does a great performance in that one. The movie is just edited terribly, and it's a clunker as a result. Yeah, it's just a shitty biopic. Like that's a, right at the end of the day. But even that, his performance is good. Right, and so like you said, like that also feels like mm-hmm. you know. I guess we're kind of getting the analysis of the movie here. Yeah. If we're looking at things past, I feel like that is becoming less and less of a thing, you know? Oh, 100%. No one sees movies anymore. That For, for the actors. For the actors. It's all about the IP. And it yeah. sucks. That's why movies suck nowadays. Is because... <laughs> it, it's true, though. Like, Give me your hot take. <laughs> and this isn't even a hot take. It's like... Just watching an adult drama, in any, it just is so rare. An adult drama they spent decent money on... And got good performances. Now that's the thing. It's the, it's the decent money part of it because like yeah. this movie also could have easily been an indie film made on a shoestring budget of like you know ten million. Exactly. And the only reason why I got to make it is because it was Quentin Tarantino, Brad Pitt, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. Three, they they got the backing. Right. Yeah. Only directors who make original ideas at this point in Hollywood are Tarantino, Nolan, and like Jordan Peele. Yeah. And even then, Jordan Peele, he's not getting two hundred million dollars. They'll give him fifty. Yep. He's only made two, but you know. <laughs> but still, like two original movies that made bank. Yeah. Uh, by the By the way, Leo's last clunker was J. Edgar, because like post two thousand ten, like in yeah. Inception on outside of J. Edgar has been a hell of a run. Yeah. It's been Inception, huge hit. Mm-hmm. J. Edgar, bomb, like we said. Yeah. Django Unchained, huge, huge hit. hit. Great Gatsby, which is just okay, but it, like it made did, money. It made a lot of money though. Right. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, huge hit. Yep. Revenant, huge hit. Yep. Uh, and then a couple documentaries, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then that's it. Yeah, because he doesn't work that much. Like he does, he's not. No, he ch- picks and chooses. He's not a movie every year guy, but that's again, that's why his movies are good. He knows how to pick it. Um, yeah, and it it it, just, it makes it all the better. Like I mean, imagine if we got like a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood style, like that style, but like a movie like this every year, like just a great director with two. Two and three great stars telling an interesting story. We've talked about it before because we've watched movies that fit into this category, yeah. but it, it just, it, that's why when I saw that in that box office number, I was like, this feels so rare to get a $100 million huge movie made mm-hmm. with huge stars, which is kind of a small budget nowadays for movies. Yeah. Like a medium budget. Medium yeah. budget. Right? You get like a medium budget and like a medium box office return. And also, like three, 300, 300 to 400 mil. This movie know? was not marketed off the action of the movie either. It's yeah. not like they revealed the ending. It was the only action in the movie, right? And the rest of it is just they literally they marketed it by showing our famous people, like all right, a little bit of the of the uh, Bruce Lee fight scene, Margot Robbie dancing, and then Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt driving around Hollywood, which describes a lot of the movie. Which it is, <laughs> but there's so much more to all of it. That oh, I agree 100. percent Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like on its face, like this is pretty much what happens. <laughs> that is pretty much what happens, but it's it makes it great. Uh, the movie Kevin was nominated for a lot ten Academy Awards. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's no joke here. Like people liked it. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it 
it probably I think in future historians will people are like how did this not win Best Picture? Uh, oh, but, you think so? You really think so? Uh, I think it's definitely up there. Like, okay. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, it lost to – it's one of those years where it's not like it lost to a piece of shit movie. What did it lose to in 2019? All right. So, uh, best picture-wise, it lost to Parasite. Parasite, yeah. It was a fucking but incredible film. Overall, yeah. that's a pretty good year for movies. That, Agreed, yeah. So, yeah, Parasite, Ford vs. Ferrari, Joker, Marriage Story, The Irishman – 1917, Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I like. Yeah, I remember that being a pretty strong year. I liked yeah. basically all those movies. Yeah, like that's like I. It's one of those like good good for everybody that watch those. Now I know that uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, best supporting actor went to Pitt. Yeah. Right. And best production design. That's pretty cool. Right. Yes. I can dig on that. So, I, I, so I'll read off uh, exactly didn't... everything I got. Uh, okay. Go nominated ahead, go for ahead. best sound editing, sound mixing, costume design, cinematography, original screenplay. Best Actor for Leo, Best Director, and Best Picture for Quentin. And it won Best Production Design, and Brad Pitt won for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, so that was my question was about Leo, because, I mean, turns in a powerhouse performance in this one, as always. Like, it's it's amazing. Exactly. Did he lose to his Best Actor? He lost to Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Oh, okay. All right. All right, fine. And it's one of those, he had just won two for The Revenant, so... Yeah, he didn't need another one, I guess. It's one of those, like, you know, it's, again, meritocracy-wise, I think I'd probably give it to Leo... One of those Joaquin yeah. never won before, and Joaquin's given too many great performances, and Joker's not his best, but he's very good in it. Oh, so it was another makeup call, like a Revenant type oh, thing. Oh, that's all the Academy Awards are at this point, is makeup calls. It's just makeup calls. It's just makeup calls <laughs> left and right. It's like, oh, I missed that offensive foul. Anyway, here's a bullshit rebounding foul. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right, let's, get, let's give two for Giannis. What do you mean he sunk both? God damn it. What do you mean he sank 17 of 19? I'm still not over that. that. Yeah, ridiculous. I love him. Yeah, so this movie, massive, massive hit. Uh beloved i think it's it's setting up time so i guess we should just get right into it right as far as like just the movie itself yeah, yeah i mean that's the background of it step... and, and let's get some uh get some viewing diaries baby this is our viewing diaries so as we do is every time like this movie opens uh with showing off the past of jk hill aka rick Dalton, our, our lead in in uh in this movie played by leonardo DiCaprio, showing off his time on bounty law <laughs> It's just like, which just, so my, my dad, who grew up in the 50s, mm-hmm. has told me about, like, I mean, he grew up in the 60s, but he's told me about, like, at this time, there were three channels, you know, classic yep. type thing. It sounds just like Bonanza and that kind of style thing, you Exa- know, like, it sounds like a real thing. Well, I think that's the interesting part of the movie, right, is that all these fake shows are based on real shows. Uh, and, the, yeah, this was, basically, he was the star of Bonanza, uh, but then he went off to make movies, and it did not go well for him. Uh, so then he meets Al Pacino's Monty Schwaz, a uh, producer, a who wants him to go make spaghetti westerns, which at the time was a laugh- laughable thing. It's the equivalent of making essentially modern day like straight to DVD films. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's like, oh. And it, it, this is where we get to meet the meat of the characters, right? Because we see of uh, what Rick Dalton is. Because he's this handsome. He's you know he's fucking Leonardo DiCaprio. He's a handsome, charismatic guy. But you see, he's this that classic just broken actor. At the beginning yes, of this. That, like, it, it felt like a, a character, I'm not saying it's not a unique character, because it is, but yeah. like, there's a lot of things I've seen before about a broken actor. Like, I mean, he starts crying because he says, literally, I, I'm a has-been. I'm, I'm a has-been, old buddy. <laughs> Brad Pitt hits him with the great line of, don't cry in front of the Mexicans. Yes, don't cry in front of the Mexicans, fucking great line. <laughs> I wrote down in this scene, just right off the bat, two reasons. One, because Leo Leo's starts doing it, but mm-hmm. also because it's a Tarantino movie. I'm ready for a lot of smoking in this movie. So much smoking and so much drinking. These guys are so... Well, that's the thing is, these are all greatest generation men, right? Like, they're all right, right. Uh, post-World War II, smoke, hard drinking, 
clearly have not dealt with their emotional problems, so they stuff it all down, surly, tough men, and yeah. they call it out the entire film of them like these fucking hippies. Like, which uh, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. by the way, how refreshing is that to have people go against hippies in a movie, right? <laughs> Why were hippies aren't the good guy? Yeah, right. Like, it's, he's like, that's modern day. Like, oh, I love that hippie freelance fucking I'm in a non-monogamous relationship. And just have somebody like, fuck you. Right? So, so Sean's continuing his series of I'm actually an old man in a 26 year old man's body. No, here's the thing. I agree with that <laughs> lifestyle. I'm just saying they're annoying. <laughs> you just don't say it oh wait i just did <laughs> yeah i did just say it um i loved pacino in this scene i mean here's the thing i also did mm-hmm. i really did pacino i don't think is a good actor not anymore so no and not anymore not anymore he so was we'll talk about this he's just not acting he's we'll, just pacino i think when we talk about heat one day which is on our list can't wait we'll, we'll i want to break into the like spectrum breakdown of what happened to pacino yeah, for real. Because there's this weird gap in time. All right, we'll talk about it. But he, he turned in, I think it's because Tarantino was able to just rein him in here mm-hmm. from going full hoo it, it is, it is, there's no hoo There's, there's no, no hoo But, like, he's just he's just Pacino. <laughs> he's just Pacino. But we also get to see all the fake films that, they, that he was in. And I was like. Oh, the fake, the fake Leo movies were all great. I loved yeah. all of them. Because they did, they got me. They were pretty funny. Because if you notice, it, I think he's homaging himself in this movie. When yep. he's uh, the 14th uh, South of McCluskey, where he's burning up all the Nazis. I'm like, you, you just reference Inglorious Bastards yourself, Tarantino, you son of a bitch. Tarantino is, is being a little self-indulgent. You mm-hmm. know, you can give him that. He's been yeah. a little, like, here's the thing. This is this is arguably falling into yet a, the, 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 the big category of the last, like, 10 years of Hollywood just being in love with itself. You know, like, looking back on the Golden Age, like... You had the artist. I think it was the first one I was aware of, but there's a ton of them. You had the artist. You had La La Land. You know, you got this. There's a, movies about making movies. You know, like it's just Los Angeles loving itself. Yeah, but Tarantino's just loving himself here. He know? does just love himself, but I think we still. But I think the difference about doing so, he still is also at least revealing parts of this character. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. get to the flamethrower in a second. Oh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't feel overindulgent. I don't think. No, not at all. Uh, no. because it, again, it's, it's all it all works within the context of this character. That you gotta love. You, you gotta love the fourth wall breaks too. Yeah. That just they're they're not constant. They're just occasional. <laughs> yeah, they're just real quick. Usually around Brad Pitt's character, just real quick little bits. And this was my favorite one in the in the beginning where he's like. Oh yeah, he just drives me around. He's like, no, he's not. Like that's a fucking lie. He had like too many DUIs. Like he well, can't. It's because again, he's this. He's basically. I've read somewhere he's basically supposed to be kind of like Burt Reynolds, yeah. Where in which he was had this fame and he had the charisma and everything, but he just never got that huge, life changing role that so many actors die for. Because he even did uh, when again we saw the, the him with the dancing cheerleaders when he tried to put out a record, even though he can't fucking sing. <laughs> <laughs> feels that so whole sequence 60s. was really funny. Yeah, and that like I'm actually thinking about it now. At least I don't know if I ever watched the whole trailer, mm-hmm. but at least on like a TV spot, maybe. Yeah. There's definitely that was the scene the I remember the it. most. Yeah, and him dancing in that is not in the movie. Yeah, Leonard Leo's uh, dancing is somehow the most memeable thing on the internet. Leo might be the most memeable actor. He's up there. Like he's got a he's, he's got a good one later on in this. Yeah, he's got a lot. Um, okay. So let's move on. He they reveal I I realize we spent a lot of time in the opening scene, but I think it's really good. Uh when yeah. they talk about this is my my, my favorite part, the meta-ness, which I until I seen this movie I never realized before, but it's so right, of them taking a former TV huge star, making him the bad guy of the new show, and mm-hmm. you actually see that old guy getting beating up. Like that the meta-ness. Like when you see Nathan Fillion on like a drama, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, that guy didn't just beat him up, he beat up Malcolm Reynolds from fucking Firefly. 
Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, that's great. I also love the term of referring to the bad guy on something as the heavy. Yeah, I, I've never heard that before. I, I have. You could like you catch up to it. I have stolen that and I've used that since in describing things to people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I to, all right, so after that we get the, his breakdown they drive they drive back through this perfect recreation of old Hollywood um, oh yeah totally uh, my favorite little subtle thing if you notice mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure you noticed yeah. it like because I think you would be hip to it uh, if you watch when the opening credits start Leonardo's name is over uh, Brad Pitt and Brad Pitt's name is over Leo yeah because they're, they're each other he's a stunt double mm-hmm. like it's they're supposed to be interchangeable yeah uh, I just love it. I think it's a great. T- it's brilliant stuff. Nothing to just like, them driving through old Hollywood. Uh, Tarantino made them build the sets and actually show them as opposed to just CGIing the shit, which is why it looks so much better and authentic. I and mean, real. that I mean, they won best production design, right? Yeah. Because like, they actually built it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it, it cost a hundred million dollars. If this was an indie film, they wouldn't have been able to afford to do it. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's that's where the money went is the production. Absolutely. Yep. And then uh, we get back to his house and he's kind of better. So I'm not sure that you picked up on this, Kevin. Did you realize that Leonardo DiCaprio's character is straight up bipolar? No, I did he, not. He, I didn't so notice it. Tarantino um, and DiCaprio revealed this afterwards that they straight up they yes. had him play him as bipolar the whole time, which yeah. is why basically within twenty minutes swings he has these massive mood swings. But in the sixties, if they hadn't been even diagnosed yet, that's what that was. Right. So. Um, I I only know it because I was reading the Wikipedia article before we got on mic. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm aware that of that now, and I bet if I watched it again, I would pick up on those things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but yeah, it, like he's definitely in, in a scene later on, in, in, like when he's in the trailer later on, mm-hmm. he, like he's clearly got some mood swings. Definitely. Like oh. he's unstable for sure. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so as as he pulls back up into his house, he sees his next door neighbor is Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. Ro- Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski. All right. It's weird. Because Polanski obviously is not a good guy. Nope. But this is also pre all the bad stuff he did, right? So there's no... I mean, he's the big... Like, he says it in the movie. In 1969, Roman Polanski was the biggest director in the world. Exactly. He had Rosemary's Baby, and he was about to film... Um, oh, what's his bigger hit? Fuck. Uh, looking it Don't up. Don't edit this out. Keep it in. Keep it all in. Oh, uh, because that's in. where he went out to film it when Sharon Tate got murdered. Keep it all in. Oh, my God. In. Chinatown. He's about in. to film Chinatown. No, was that? Uh, that I, was just, I just actually just watched Chinatown for the first time. Yeah, oh like yeah, a couple yeah. months ago. It's very, very good. <laughs> actually, no, it was like a month ago. Yeah, 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 it's it's a classic. It holds up. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's incredible. Actually, no, excuse me, he was out filming Macbeth when she gets murdered. So that's the big one, Macbeth. Mac- yeah, Macbeth, yeah, yeah. but still, he, you know, huge hit at the time. So we don't need to talk about what Polanski did, but uh, nah, we we'll don't need to talk that. about that. No. But then he's that, not even a huge part of this movie. No, no he's not. He's just well. That's the thing. Is like again, a big criticism of the movie is how. Uh, Margot Robbie Sharon Tate is used, and a lot of people hate. Like yeah. she didn't have any lines. She didn't get in. That's not the point. She's supposed to be kind of be like this spirit of new Hollywood coming in, right? She's she's not even, and like it's not because she's acting great. Like, oh, she's doing a great job. Uh, Margot Robbie's perfection. She's she's fantastic, but it's almost like she's not even really a character. She's more of an idea than anything. Yes, that's a you big know? part of it too. Well, that's the whole thing is he's highlighting, which is why. You know, I personally I didn't know too much about her as an actress and stuff. I just knew she was killed by the Manson family, which just sucks, right? right? Is that your life is defined by the act of somebody else? Yep. And that's why I think that's what he's doing the whole time is he's highlighting. We'll get a later film when she goes to see one of Sharon Tate's movies of oh, this was a woman whose whole life was ahead of her, and like like it's just that that embodied of the exuberant spirit of something new. Yeah, because like 
like watching the movie, right? Just getting ahead. I'm not going to yeah. give specific scenes and everything, but yeah. watching the movie throughout, her character, I'm just like, I want her character to do something, you know? Yeah. So like when 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 someone criticizes that of like, I, like her character doesn't do a lot. I get where you're coming from, but I I I'm with you. You're kind of missing the point. Yes, because holding it, she's just living her life. Right. She she's have she has no actual like conflict in her life. Exactly. Her life is going great. She's married to a man she loves. She's about to star in big movies. Uh, she has a swanky house. She has friends. She's beloved. Everyone loves Sharon Tate, and she just had a movie come out. And which is why the whole thing is like, yeah, so she doesn't need any conflict. She's just living her life. While next door is the opposite of she's rising and Dalton and uh, Cliff are falling. Yeah, like they're having a bad time. A bad time. Which is where we get to the next part of the film where we see all three of them uh, arriving at their homes, right? So Yeah, Brett- like the, we, we kind of get, I wrote, this is the Grand Theft Auto V section. <laughs> yeah. Where we're just getting three distinct stories mm-hmm. that honestly aren't really intertwined. No, not at all. They, they A little bit and they all come together at the end. Right, right, exactly. So, like, they do come together in the third act, but, like, for now, our three leads are just doing their thing, and you have three distinct stories. Yes. So, we see Brad Pitt drops off DiCaprio. Brad Pitt drives back to his house. And again, gorgeous shots, just the scenery of past my old Van Nuys movie theater, into his shithole trailer. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. This I think Brad Pitt's awesome in this movie, but the idea that he's, like, this, he's just too good fucking looking. You know, oh like, yeah, I mean they tried to make him as ugly as possible, but even that, like yeah. they made him look like his face was like made of like skinned leather. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't... he's a perfect man. Uh, right. But we mean his he's a very good dog in Brandy. Very good dog. Uh, we got to see one of the best on film adaptations of a bachelor fridge I've ever seen. <laughs> where yeah. I'm pretty sure there was just a six pack, some mustard, and some butter. I can tell you <laughs> that's what's in my fridge currently. Just some... <laughs> like. Hey, I I live by myself at the moment. I take better care of myself than that. I'm proud of myself for that. Like, I got mustard and ketchup in my fridge. Goddamn right. <laughs> Listen, I change out the toilet paper. That's important, damn it. Oh, yeah, you got to get that toilet paper. You got to clean. You got to do all that yeah. shit. But, like, I mean, there's something. Here it's kind of comedic in a way because, again, it's it's Brad Pitt. Yeah. But you can really utilize, like, an older dude living by himself really sadly in yeah. movies. But I just kind of appreciate he just makes himself mac and cheese for dinner. It's like, it's, it just eats it out the pot. Mac and cheese, it. gets that old crappy dog food that they used to sell. Uh, it's just like, we just found some meat and we're feeding it to <laughs> your dog. We just found some meat on the floor. We're just going to throw it in the grinder and hope for the best. It looked like there were different flavors. There's no way there was different meat in those two different cans. We cut back to Rick Dalton's house and he's like, you see him rehearsing his lines, getting a nice buzz on. Oh, putting yeah. an egg inside his drink. Disgusting. But oh, the, no, you're supposed to do that for a whiskey sour. Yeah, they say that, but I don't care what you say. It's fucking gross. I mean, like, it's the it's the egg white, not the egg itself. I know. I still don't like it. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. It makes it cool. I don't know. But the, uh, I love the scene of him rehearsing lines in the pool. I think it yeah. looked gorgeous. It looked so cool. And also, I'm like, I stole that from when I practice acting. I'm like, oh, I'll just record the lines and read it and do them to myself. That's brilliant, actually. I knew, How did I never think of that before? <laughs> yeah, now with technology now. And, and then uh, we see Sharon and Polanski go out to the Playboy Mansion. For the record, yeah. Until I looked it up while watching the movie, okay. For the first two scenes we saw Roman Polanski could have sworn he was played by Adam Scott. Okay, okay. I thought I, looks, don't think, I don't think that's where you were going with it, but uh, no, I can see that. Yeah, 
could have sworn he played by Adam Scott, which would have been so funny that he just didn't have a line, in the whole, like one line in the whole movie for Adam Scott would have been great. That would have been really funny. I thought you were going to mention, because this is the thing that blew my mind, of when Roman Polanski's just dressed as Austin Powers, because I never put it together. That's how people dressed in the 60s. I thought that was just from Austin Powers. No, man. 60s were <laughs> 60s and 70s both were totally wet. It blew my mind so hard. It's like, why is he dressed like Austin Powers? <laughs> yep. The 60s were wild. 70s were wild. 80s were wild. 90s were wild. Current times are wild. Yeah. Everyone just wears weird shit. Um, but you can never go bad with a, just a pair of yeah. just a blue jeans and a flannel until you die. It's just what you wear every day. Pretty much. Uh, we go to the Playboy Mansion, which, by the way, in the 60s would just be one giant tower of cum. Like <laughs> in the 60s. Yeah, in the it 60s. Be. It would have been gross. Uh, we see more fun celebrity cameos as, as famous people. Like Beanie Feldstein, Joan Hill's sister, plays Mama Cass. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It was, she, well, she has a good no lie. She literally just gives Sharon Tate a hug and they yep. go dance. And then uh, that's it. And that's it. Well, that's the two is like then we get more real revelation of the background of the two of them, as told by uh, uh, Damien. I was call him Damien Lillard. Damien uh, Lewis, who's playing Steve McQueen, who is like the who's the equivalent of modern day, I guess, Channing Tatum. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Steve McQueen was the king of cool. He's yeah, the coolest king, dude on the face of the planet. Exactly. His entire life. Just the king of cool, and holding is he's like t- mentioning the story of how he's jealous of Polanski and Jay Sebring. Two short, hairy Jewish guys who Sharon Tate's in love with. And he's like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I never had a chance. <laughs> I never had a chance. And he probably had sex with that Playboy. But yeah, I saw that idea of that it was so funny. Yep, absolutely. Uh, uh, I'll say, uh, you know you know the horny bonk meme of the dog? Yep. Yeah, you had to bonk me a couple times for Margot Robbie in this movie. <laughs> I'm going to put that out there there. But that we also need to bonk Tarantino. Oh, the foot count. Do you mean the foot counter I started? The f- big. This is the time where like he, he's now in on the joke and he's leaning into it. Yeah, but it's kind of weird, man. It's not that weird. They all consented. No, I know they consented, but the way he does it, he loves him some feet. I know, but it felt weird. I didn't like it, but I get it. It's funny. I honestly, because I knew <laughs> going in that he has a foot fetish, it made it really fucking funny when it happened. So mission accomplished, I guess. Yeah, it does. It has. It helps. Okay, so we get to the next day. Cliff, um, Rick, Cliff picks up Rick. Rick is hung the fuck over. Oh yeah, but he like dunks his face in ice at one dunks point. His... I'm like, that's a hangover cure. Uh, I've never tried it. I will next time. I just like, man, I have been hung over on a movie set myself. That is not a place to be hung over, buddy. Oh man, dude, I've been I've been hung over in some bad places. I imagine that's a bad one. Uh, Brad Pitt ad libbed this line where he's like trying to cheer up Rick. Uh, he's like, hey, just remember, you're Rick fucking Dalton. Uh, yeah, and he uses it later, right? He does. I'm Rick fucking Dalton. That comes from Brad Pitt in the 90s, where apparently he was going through some, I think, a breakup, and he was depressed about me, Joe Black. His movie sucks. I'm Brad, I'm Brad and fucking it, Apparently Pitt. his buddies goes, dude, remember this. You're Brad fucking Pitt. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> I guess I am. My life is good. I'm Brad Pitt. Well, that's, diff- that's different when you're, you know, Brad Pitt versus Rick Dalton. <laughs> but I love well, like, it. But, but here's the Rick Dalton's not like he's not. In fa- you know, not famous like a, like a nobody like he. Yeah, but his his career is just his career is <laughs> careening, and he he can feel it. He's playing a role he doesn't want to do. Then we this is where the movie slows down a lot, but it's a good slowdown because we just. Yeah, see- I thought so. Like I, I never, I was never bored. Yeah. Like I, I looked at the runtime, and I was like, you know, I, my initial reaction was like, oh fuck, it's like two hours and twenty minutes, but, it, it, you know, I'm not saying it flew by because I don't think it flew by, but like I was never, maybe once. I checked my phone, like, out of boredom, I think, only once, which is a pretty good sign. I usually don't do that in movies anyway. Yeah. But, like, 
there was there was one scene we'll talk about later that that like I kind of I felt it kind of well, slowed down too would, much. Would it surprise you know there's a four and a half hour cut? Uh, no, because uh, I thought I saw something about it's coming to Netflix, right? Yeah, he's working on doing a like how he did the Hateful Eight of these long chaptered versions hey, of it. Hey, 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 Tarantino, the four hour cut of Hateful Eight isn't good. Uh, I haven't watched it, but I will. I, it's I, fine. It's fine. But like the two and a half hour cut is good. I love the hateful. Eight. I kind of like four hour cut is too long. Fair enough. I kind of like though that directors have like fuck it. You guys want? If you really want the full experience? I'll give it to you. But oh, you, you mean but, the Zack Snyder cut we watched and then recorded over. Yeah, we did. Release the air cut. No one wants the air cut. I want the air cut. Okay. David Ayer doesn't want the air cut. This is where we that's get. A, to, that's a lie. A lot of people want the air cut. Now that. we get after this the weirdly. Most controversial part of this film. Yes. The Bruce Lee scene. So, just before that, first and foremost, I'm going to talk about this. He arrives back at the house. He goes in the holster. Gets 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 on a tool belt where he, the holster he puts in a beer. Good for him. He does some, uh, uh, what do you call it when you run up things? Uh, not jujitsu. Well, parkour. He parkours up to the top of the building to fix the thing. He pauses for a moment. Jujitsus his way up. Jujitsus his way up. Most importantly thing, he takes off his shirt. Oh. Now, Kevin... I think I've told you this. I saw the movie twice in theaters. Oh, you did? I didn't know yes, that. Yes, I did. Uh, both times, every woman jizzed themselves over him taking off his shirt. I mean, like, because uh, it's not... He. The thing is, he's in incredibly good shape in this. He's, he's it, Brad Pitt. He's Brad fucking Pitt. He's Brad fucking Pitt. But he's Pitt. also realistic. You, you know why? Because he's not... He has abs, but they're not... Way too cut, and he has some hair on him, and he looks like a he man. He looks like a real dude who's just in really good shape. Exactly. like, But not like he doesn't work out. He just, what he does in life keeps him in great shape. Right, which is what which is what fitness was in the 50s and 60s. Exactly. Like, people just assumed, like, mowing the lawn, taking out the garbage, like, that shit kept you in shape. And that's how we got in shape, out of shape guy yeah. in movies, you know? Like, I talked about it with you, like, when I watched Chinatown, which was made in 1974, I think. Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Jack Just, Nicholson, there's a scene where he's where, where like he's naked, he's sleeping with, with Faye Dunaway. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, like it's him posing in the bed, and he's just a dude. <laughs> he's just, he's a, dude. just a guy. Which I can't, like, I I miss those days, man. I mean, like, uh, it's it's good for him that he could just be a dude. Yeah, a hundred percent. So this uh, is the closest we get to uh, like someone just being a dude nowadays. Just, just, he's still crazy. He's still in shape. his his fucking ass looks better than my fucking face. Like that's God the, damn right. God uh, damn right. It does. He's a perfect. He's a perfect specimen of man. And that is not an insult to your face. That is a compliment to his ass. It, it really, it really is. Uh, just be well, just before we get into that, I just remember. I'm not sure. I picked up on this after later viewings of the subtle tease of the flamethrower when he's in the shed. Because you can see it. It's on the floor sitting right oh, there. Oh, I didn't notice it. It's I something you pick it. up on a rewatch. Like, oh, it's just sitting right there. Yeah. Uh, oh, just... actually, speaking of the flamethrower, it's actually one of my favorite subtle jokes from the beginning when they're running through all his old movies. When he's, like, talking about, like, yeah, man, you know, I was learning yeah. how to do it. I, I practiced every day, you know, for two weeks to make sure I could do it right. First of all, no way a real flamethrower gets used these days. No way. No, not but... these Back then, I bet they would have. Right, totally. Uh, yeah. But... I just love when the 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 like the prop trainers behind him, and he's like, "Yeah, fucking flamethrower." He's like, "Oh god, that's really yeah. hot." Is there anyone who can deal with that heat? And he's like, "Rick, it's a flamethrower." <laughs> yeah, and he just goes like, "Oh yeah, I guess <laughs> that's great." All right, so then he takes off the shirt. Every woman goes, "Oh my lord, in my theater," and now we get an excellent flashback of why he's a pariah in Hollywood. 
So first off, you know, you see Rick's always loyal to Cliff. He's always trying to get him a job. Kurt Russell with a glorious mullet. It's like, listen, I can't hire this guy. It's like, what do you mean you can't? Kurt Russell, baby. It's like, what do you mean you can't hire him? It's like, dude, he killed his fucking wife. And then we see the flashback scene of it happen. It's like, all right, what are the, like, I have an idea in my head. What are the odds that he actually did it? It's heavily implied. What do you think the odds are? All right, so I have the answer for that, Kevin. Oh, okay. Because... Tarantino just put out the novelization of this. Oh, story, yes, that's right. Which I'm going to buy and I'm going to read all of. Uh, oh, I'm sure you're going to love it, yeah. By the way, we need to re-novelize more movies because fuck it. That's the only way people are going to read. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a real thought I had. Uh, and so, also, it's how you fuck up the canon if it's like Star Wars, you know? Exactly. Well, or make it the canon make sense sometimes if it's Star Wars. Oh, you mean retroactively make the things sort of make sense? Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, so he did kill his wife. Uh, okay, because I was going to say it's like 80% he did. Yeah, he. Yeah, and you know why? Have you ever noticed how similar she kind of, like, she looks just similar enough to Angelina Jolie. <laughs> and, like, there's no way they didn't plan that. But they got an actress who's clearly not Angelina Jolie, but she's definitely. What if the, it was? What if it if, was if it Angelina was, Jolie? I, I mean, that we would lose our minds if that was the case. Oh, my, oh, my head would have exploded. Which, Absolutely. It, it would have been amazing. God but damn right. I, I think it's also referencing, you know, all those stories of Natalie Wood? How she, yes. they alleged, I think that's what he's also referencing of. Because it was uh, Christopher Walken and uh, I forgot who her husband was that were on the boat where she drowned mm-hmm. mysteriously. And I'm like, <laughs> mysteriously. Yeah, that's just the thing that happened with them. The guys just murder women and get away with it. And it was always God. a talk throughout the town. But uh, yeah. So, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the thing we see is like the harpoon gun is like, yeah. first of all, why do you have a harpoon gun? Well, he was fishing. That's how you fish, Kevin. Oh, with a harpoon? <laughs> with a harpoon gun. <laughs> and then, I mean, I know you caught it because yeah. you love this movie. Yeah. One of my favorite subtle details is he puts on the goggles. Yes. And then cracks a beer and the beer spray gets onto the goggles. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. Do you think he put on the goggles because he was going to like try to not get blood in his eyes? Yes, I think that's exactly the case. Oh, God. Uh, I'll, file, I'll let you know. Another when I... flashback around his character that is funny. It's yeah, funny. A, a flashback within the flashback of this. Yeah, like I was a little confused, but not bad. Not no, bad. At it all. makes sense. So then I we... wasn't like I wasn't like uh, Dunkirk confused. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I want to do Dunkirk on this one time to talk about that, but Ugh. I'll digress. So then we get into the the most controversial part of this movie, of uh, the depiction of Bruce Lee on the set of the Green Hornet in this film. Mm-hmm. Now, in this depiction, Bruce Lee's a little cocky, a little arrogant. Uh, but that's about it. And the whole thing is that Brad Pitt is a known kind of scumbag fighter stuntman who, of course, he wants his chance of kicking Bruce Lee's ass. Right. And people lost their minds over this. What? The, the, the idea is mean, lots of things. So, like, the big thing is that one that Bruce Lee would ever get his, you know, ass hand to him for even a second. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. Two, that he was ever arrogant. Yes. That, well, because in my head, to me, I think the reason that they, they portrayed him that way in this movie, mm-hmm. that's what his, like, persona was. That's what his character was. That's probably not who yeah. he was as a person. It wasn't. But here's the thing. So, and Tarantino proved this by another stuntman who wrote a novelization about working with Bruce Lee. And he talked about how he didn't have respect for American stuntmen because he wanted... You know, basically he's just saying like it's too, it was too soft and it wasn't real and realistic enough, which is where he got the idea for this scene, which I think is fair. Like it's just like, like him. It's not like he was an asshole. Like people are like, oh, you made Bruce Lee look like a real dick. No, he's not. He was a little cocky, which he should have been. He's Bruce Lee. So, so to me, when I'm when I'm watching him do that, the way I mm-hmm. interpreted the scene was watching him. He was putting on a front. 
yeah. he's putting on a character mm-hmm. that like the West expected. Yeah. And then you see him later training um Sharon Tate. Yeah. And he looks super nice. You yes. know, like just a dude. Yeah, exactly. And that's only- like where he let the walls down and not be that character. And even then, know? if you also make an argument about all this stuff too, is that this is Brad Pitt's character's memory of what happened. Yeah. It's not even necessarily what happened, right? He's a, he's an untrustworthy narrator in this regard. You think he's, okay, all right, that's fair. He's Tarantino. Yeah, so there's a whole metal I didn't like but even then, all things considered. And then if we're talking about him, you know, getting thrown in the fights, you know, it's Bruce Lee versus fucking Dracula. Like that's who mm-hmm. he that's who he fought, a fictional character. Where which if Tarantino wrote it down, it's like he has a super mega punch that could beat anybody. Like he's not re- <laughs> it's not real. And even then, so in the novelization, Tarantino points out that that's Cliff Cliff Booth's strategy uh, mm-hmm. in a fight is that he lets the first guy get the first shot on him, and then he tells him, "I bet you can't do that again." So they'll do it again. And he can catch him, yeah. which is the yeah. uh, thinking behind. And apparently, Tarantino's always known that. So, but even then, I still find that scene really fun and entertaining. I love that. Oh, scene. I, I wrote down it's the most Tarantino scene so far. Yeah, you know, it's like like snappy, quick dialogue. Yeah. You know, like, it's kind of a long cut, isn't it? Yeah, it's a long cut and drag out of this drag out fights. Until it ends kind of quickly and abruptly by real-life stunt woman Zoe Bell, who's amazing. Who's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I'll tell you what, Kevin. I worked on movie sets. You don't fight the fucking talent. Are, are you sure? I am 100% certain on that. Are you sure? You know why? Because a lot of people would have kicked Tobey Maguire's ass by now. You're going to go with Tobey Maguire on that? He was the first person I thought of, of in terms of notorious assholes. Uh, I would have gone with Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Oh, I think people have kicked Bruce Willis's ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, don't come on the pod please we don't yeah. we don't watch <laughs> bruce yeah uh, you think he even knows what a podcast is oh no he doesn't care and then uh, just tell him to get fucked i love that scene i think it's really great um so after that we cut back to well hey he when he, he comes out of the flashback he gives a shrug he's like yeah they're probably right for not hiring me right i love that i love that little little shtick i think i think the other thing it, we have to mention it before we move on from the bruce lee scene the other reason that people don't like that scene is because they feel like it was racist. And I think that's wrong. I'm I a think, white man, I, so, like, you know, my word doesn't really count here. Mm-hmm. But, like, people call that out. I mean, that's the way he talked. Yeah. You know? It's a like, pretty spot-on impression. It was an incredible impression. I've I've seen the Bruce Lee documentary. That's what yeah. he sounded like. At yeah. least in his public persona. Yeah, definitely. And like He might have played it up a bit, like, to Western audiences. But, like, that's what he sounded like. Yeah, and I don't, I really just don't, of the racist depiction, like, I don't see, you know, like, it's not like, I don't know, he, like, he fought against racism the whole time, and I feel like, again, it's people just love grasping at straws at this, and the big thing is his daughter didn't like the the portrayal, like, that's yeah, not who my and, dad and also, was. fucking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar came out about it, and but, he didn't, he didn't condemn the movie, he was just like, hey, I didn't like the portrayal, he just said that, that's but again, all he said. My thing, the whole thing is, like, it's all fictionalized versions of the character. Yeah, they're guy. all caricatures to a certain extent. And, like, yeah, so I, 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 I'm not gonna, I don't care if you get mad, I just think it's the weirdest thing to criticize this movie about. Yeah, well, think about it this way, like, all the shit that Tarantino did as, you know, writer, you know, as an actor in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You know, 20, 20, 25 years ago. It's almost 30, 30, dude, yeah. Yeah, it's almost 30 years ago. And, you know, some people said some stuff about it, but, like, that was way worse than the Bruce Lee scene. It's not like he came out there, like, dressed as Bruce Lee. Yeah. (laughs) That's not what happened. Yeah, with, like, yellow face on or anything like that. It was an Asian-American actor playing him. He got, an, he got an Asian actor to play him, and and he did an impression of Bruce Lee. Yeah, and I th- like again, 
I've seen clips of Bruce Lee. I thought it was fucking spot on, at least as far as his public persona went. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I don't. I don't buy it. I again. I, I know I'm a white dude, so like, I my opinion doesn't count. But at the same time, I don't buy it. Yeah, my I, I think it's again. It's a big time. People want to make controversy for to have a story. I think. I think. I, I really. I really felt that way around this one. You know, we are white dudes, and I. But at the same time, I feel like people love to cry, cry foul to get headlines sometimes. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it was. I'm, I'm not saying it was or it wasn't. Yeah, you know how I feel worse for the guy who played Bruce Lee, Mike Moe. Yeah, because he hasn't gotten a big role since this, and that yeah. sucks. He's very good in it. He deserves a shot. He could have. He could have been Shang Chi. Oh God, yeah, totally. Right, like, well, I hope he gets work. Yeah, um, definitely. Okay, after that, so then we cut back to Sharon Tate, and we get our first look at Charles Manson, who apparently is a big part of the extended cuts. I was going to say, so the extended cut, how much does it add? Because I can't find how long it is. Uh, I haven't seen anything. I know the actor who played Charles Manson says, like, we shot at least 20 more minutes worth of stuff with me. Yeah, and, like, the extended cut was only released in some theaters, right? I, I don't think it was. It's even been released, actually. Uh, I, think, yeah. I think it's something he's still working on putting out. Okay. I mean, um, I'd watch the extended cut. Not I definitely, the four-hour cut. Not Tarantino. Four hour cut. Yeah. I definitely would, I would like to see the Charles Manson stuff. Because there was, like, this weird thing in Hollywood before Manson did all the murders and stuff. There's so many stories of him just, like, hanging out, you know? Him just, like, there's a lot of stories where he played the guitar with the Beach Boys and the Eagles just he, in, like, a bunch of these is, jam sessions. He is, like, obviously notorious and, like, did terrible things and all sorts of stuff like that. But from all accounts... He is one of the most charismatic people to ever exist. Yeah, well, his story you know? is super interesting. Like, anything, he was a super abused child who ran away from right. home to go to Hollywood. But he was a charis- for the most part, he seemed like a charismatic, nice, loving guy who was actually a pretty skilled guitar player, apparently. Yeah. Uh, and just <laughs> something happened. <laughs> well, yeah, because, like, this, this event where he comes into the story is real. Yeah. Where he came to Tate and Polanski's house in Look, real life. Yeah. And was asking about whoever he asked about in the movie. It was a, it's a, a it's like Sheldon a, or something, I think. Yeah, it's a guitar player, a real guitar yeah. player. He, yeah. This really happened in real life. Yeah. And uh, it's one of those scary, ominous things You when you're watching this movie. It's like, oh, is he going to kill her with, like, show the Manson murder, right? Like, uh, like, T- Terry, like Ter- Terry Melcher. Terry, Terry Melcher. Terry Melcher. Melcher. Shit, I don't know where I got Sheldon from. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, you, you, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I think his thing is like, that's what I think the interesting part about the first time I watched it is like the Manson murders are hanging over the film the whole time. You're like, are we going to get it to is. this? It is. Like, it like, you, again, as someone who I know of them, mm-hmm. I've read a little bit about them. Yeah. But not much. And I knew that they happened in this time period in LA. And I, I like, so I was aware of them. If you don't know about it going in, I can see how you'd be like, well, what was the point of any of that? <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. I can see that. You kind of have to know a little bit of history. But it's not, again, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm a detailed scholar on the Manson murders because I'm not. I think, yeah, you have a cursory knowledge of what happened. I just know they existed. I know they yeah. happened and so, I know they're a tragedy. I know. We'll talk about the well, the scary parts in just a second. I mean, this is a long movie. I, I, we haven't even reached like the hour mark yet. But I think there's a lot to talk about. I think it's just, I, I love this movie. Yeah. Um, so we cut them back to uh, Rick on set, where he's in full costume. Well, he's getting the rundown of like what his costume's like, and he's he has to, basically he's literally being made to something he's not the whole time. Uh, and he goes out on set. He talks with Julia Butters, the little girl, uh, mm-hmm. where he has yet another mental breakdown. Uh, talking what? About, no. Talking about, I got a hilarious scene of him being like <laughs> talking about little uh, Easy Breezy, the horse, the the Bronco Buster who can't uh, can't perform anymore. 
That was the closest I felt like, okay, this is a little heavy-handed. It's a little heavy-handed, but it's very funny when she comes. Well, it's also funny, and it's also in in character for him. Yes, 100%. He's not the smartest guy in the world. He's not the smartest. And again, because he's bipolar, he's constantly having these mood swings. Little things will set him off. Right. Uh, And then when she comes to comfort him, he hits her with... Don't worry, in about 15 years, you'll be living it, too. I know. <laughs> I, know. I was like, good, subtle dig at what happens to child actors. Uh-huh. Well, he, he wasn't he a child actor? Yeah, Leo was, too, yeah. Yeah, Le- totally, because he was in Gilbert Grape, right? Gilbert Grape, uh, Facts of Life, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Uh, we cut back to then Sharon, who picks up a hitchhiker randomly, and... Guess what? For her, it was just a fun, nice trip because there were good hitchhikers. That's the thing. Like, like now that I'm thinking about it again, like, I think some people were probably thinking, like, oh god, is she gonna get murdered? Yeah, the whole thing is you're just waiting for her to get murdered. But it's no, it's he just he actually loves Sharon Tate is the funny part of this movie, and this is him just being like, no, her life was just a nice, decent thing of her trying to experience things. So that's when she gets to the movie theater. Uh, where she wants to go see her new film that's coming out in, in front of the people. Like, were you in this? And uh, uh, they're like, uh, yeah, I'm on the poster right there. Apparently, that's based on a real thing that happened to Tarantino when Reservoir Dogs came out. Yeah, I, I read. That. Well, I mean, I didn't know it was Reservoir Dogs. I knew it was yeah. based on a real thing with him. But that makes sense, actually. Because yeah. Reservoir Dogs, he wasn't a household name yet. He wasn't a household name. No one knew who he was. And, uh, you know, he's like, oh. And they're, like, taking a weird, awkward photo in front of it. He's like, oh, this is this is this what gonna be famous is like uh we jump back to rick on set where he's meeting timothy oliphant's thing and he's this is the it, i like this scene a lot of hey did you read for the great escape weren't you like up for it and it's the thing i edited him into the great escape and he edited him into the great escape but uh, the evolution of it like so many actors have that if i just got that one role oh totally you read about it all the time so Absolutely. many like, and i think it's timothy oliphant almost iron man uh yep or uh i mean this is different because he's still a huge star, but like Will Smith in the in the Matrix. Yeah, that's a big one. Oh uh, no, there's, right. there's I'm a... trying to think of other like complete career changers because there are like where you hear like, oh, this guy was up for that and he could have gotten it. I'm like, no, but I, I know what yeah. you mean, right? Oh, like, I... It, it. I also thought that the like the start of the scene was weird when they kind of cut it up. Yeah, that one that was like a weird jump cut they did. I don't know. I still don't understand that after all this time, but I think it's. I just... mean, it's it wasn't totally d- like it the doesn't... worst thing, but it was a little disjarring a little bit. Yeah. I think that's a thing. I think I wrote down this. I think like Nathan Fillion might be the closest modern day equivalent to Rick Dalton. Okay. All the, right. I mean, Nathan yeah. Fillion's a very successful television actor, but like, you know, he had a hit show and he, he was in a couple movies there, but none of them I, ever I, really I would, broke. The only thing I would disagree with is that like my parents now know who he is because of the rookie. Yes. I think I mean, he's very successful in television, but I mean like becoming a mega star. Like I think it's, he never, he'll never get to that. No, no, I, won't. I mean, I was trying to think of who like a good comp to modern day comp would be. Well, it's hard because Hollywood's different. Hollywood is very different than it was back then, right? And also, like in, in I don't know how true this is. Mm-hmm. This is just a thought I'm having. Yeah, it felt like TV and movies were very. There's a lot of crossover. Yeah, in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. I don't know, how, like, is that true nowadays? I mean, we're getting that with like. Netflix dropping a hundred mil on like a six episode series. Well, I mean, they're dropping a half a billion on the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon, like, oh, God. which God knows how that'll turn out. I I don't. But know I mean, that. like, too, like you know, big actors though. Kate Winslet does Mayor of Easttown now, right? Right. right, right that right. Ne- that never used to happen. But right, now and that has a huge budget. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, now it's just point. now it's just like big actors do the best parts. Like that's what they go for. Right, right. You're right because it like it might be actually. You know what? They probably separated, mm-hmm. and then they came back together. Yeah. Right, TV and movies. Because you're right, yeah. 
that TV and movies, it's it's it does feel like they're blending together these days. Because yeah. you're yeah yeah I, I guess that's it yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay, from there we cut back to Sharon in the theater watching her movie. And uh, this is the first time I wrote down, Jesus Christ, the fucking feet. I just wrote, feet. Do you want to know what my foot counter was by the end? Sure. Give it to me. I, I wrote down only when I felt it was egregious. Okay. Eight times. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Eight egregious parts. Yeah. Like, if I was counting, because there was at one point mm-hmm. he focused on her feet while the while the shoes were still on. I was like, does that count? I don't know. Yeah. No, I think I think like, as far as egregious feet shots, it's like eight of them. I think you gotta see Bigfoot. Like you gotta see the whole foot for it to be a foot shot. I would think so. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a, I don't have a foot. Fetish. Yeah. And then we see we actually see Sharon Tate in the in the movie, which I think is a really beautiful touch to honoring this woman who died tragically. And I kind of realized who the modern comp to her would be. And mm-hmm. I think it's on if Anya Taylor Joy was killed right now, right? So just mm-hmm. tragically. She's been hey, don't put the don't put that energy. Don't, in I don't world. want to put that. She's fucking great. Like I love her. I'm I'm in love with her. Yeah, uh, I'm aware. You've told me. I've, she's beautiful. But I, mean, like, I feel like it's like she's had some big successes. Queen's Gambit was a huge hit, and now she's going to go be Furiosa in uh, the prequel. Right. And I'm like, that's not that she'll be the uh, be all end all mega star. So if something happened, that'd be her getting cut short. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, I think it's a, a decent analogy. Yeah, definitely. All right, let me get back to Also, you. wait, Joe Namath was in a movie? Joe Namath was in a movie, sir. Yes, yes. A terrible, terrible movie. <laughs> Joe Namath like, was Tom Brady at the time. Yeah, I mean, like, wait, in 69, when did the Mets, or not the Mets, the Jet, Jets? Jets, the world, Jets also won in 69. 69 was a huge year, Kevin. It was really well, for, important. For your, for your sports franchises. Don't you dare put the Jets on me, sir. Don't you fucking dare. <laughs> You're a Jets fan and you know I'm it. I'm a Giants fan who will watch Jets games. No, you. I, I've heard you describe yourself as a Jets and Giants fan. No, no, I'm a Giants and Jets fan. Uh, we fucking, lived together in college. You rooted for the Jets, and you know I'm it. a Don't Giants lie. first, Jets. There's a difference. I'm not denying the hierarchy, but you can't just be like, oh, I don't like the Jets. They've sucked forever, and you know it. Shut but you up, love them, sh- yeah, Kevin. I'm cutting all this fucking out. I'm cutting. No, all you're it. not. You love the San. You love Mark Sanchez. <laughs> I did love Mark Sanchez. I did. I know it. I knew it. It's I right did. There. Okay, so we got back to now we're in the scene of Lancer, the new television pilot being shot. Uh, this is where the scene movie is a little long, I think. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, enjoy all this because you get fun behind-the-scenes filmmaking. And also, you see him when he just blows his his lines. It's just how hard Leo takes it. Slash oh, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's just so objectively true that, like, acting is hard. I'm not saying it's easy. Yeah. Acting is hard. At least acting well is hard. Yes. But acting as an actor who is currently acting yeah. is really hard. Right? Like, yeah. a great example is, like, you ever watch something that's intentionally bad? Yeah, right? all the time, yeah. Like, it's, something that's, like, a parody of something. Like, my, Kung, my Kung, go-to Kung, is... Kung Pao. Kung Pao. Or, like, my go-to is, um, there's a really, there's a British show that I got I found on the internet called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which Ooh. is this really, uh, uh, it's, I think it's from, like, oh. Four. It's a total parody of like Stephen King, and yeah. the actors in it are putting in what is supposed to be the worst performances ever. Yeah, but they're killing it. Are they? Because they know like how to ride the line mm. of being a bad actor, but also like you're being a good actor, being a bad actor. Richard Aoyade is in it. And he's oh, he's fucking, he's, he's, really he's good fucking at that. flawless. He's, he's really so good. good at it. Yeah. Uh, he plays a guy who just like cannot act, <laughs> and it's incredible. But that's... like the the what 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 Leo's doing here, especially like you mentioned before, like yeah. the mood swings, beating himself up over things, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's it's intense. It's good. I think I think it's great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, then we get to might be my favorite scene in the entire thing where he's in his trailer throwing a temper tantrum. Yep. It's he, it's it's incredible. He he, he just had. He, he, Probably my favorite lines. You just had eight goddamn whiskey sandwiches. You could have stopped drinking every three or four, you fucking alcoholic. I've, ha- I've had that argument with myself so many fucking times. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you could just stop after three or four. You had to keep going. And I'm like, holy shit, I've had that so fight so many times. And then at the end, he's just staring himself in the mirror. If you don't get this right, I will blow your fucking brains out. And I'm like, woo, that's a little too relatable there, Rick. A little oh, too relatable. Boy. Oh, boy. Just, oh, man. Just the... fucking blow your brains out. The uh, th- that shot when he's saying that yeah. to himself, when like you see the reflection dead on in the camera, is just yeah. it's interesting. I haven't seen that before. Yeah, but right. no, it's 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 rough. Yeah, it's, it's real. It's, it's so it's so real and relatable. Like I, I know exactly that feeling so much. <laughs> All right, we go back to uh, Cliff Booth picking up a uh, hitchhiker played by Margaret Qualley. Uh, Pussy cat. This is this is where I laughed the absolute hardest in the entire movie. Okay. Was when she puts her feet on the dashboard. <laughs> yeah. And I audibly said, God damn it. God. So loud and paused the movie and laughed for like 30 seconds. Because it's like a fucking, it's like a 1960s movie where they had just developed 3D glasses. Yeah. And it's like 3D, but it's a fucking foot fetish. <laughs> foot fetish. Oh, yeah. It's a weird scene. I like because it just reveals more of Cliff's nature. It's like, it's like, you want me to suck your cock? And he's like, no, I'm not going to go to jail for some pussy. Like... <laughs> Like, he is actively the smartest person in this movie. He is. He's just like Always. this cool, calm, collective. Like he's just like I know these people are weird, but I like being around it. And yeah. I've been, I've you know, I've been a bouncer before. When that thing of like everyone else is drunk, but you're not. Uh huh. That's like, that is that's a great way to put it. Yeah. He feels like the sober guy. He feels like the sober guy, just just fighting the good fight. But uh, he's having a good time with it. Yep. All right. We cut back to now, Rick, uh, killing it at his scene. Yeah, like he turns in a good performance in a yeah. scene, mm-hmm. which I think this is just Leo acting. Just being a great actor, yeah. This is probably uh, just easier for him. Where it's like, <laughs> all right, I'll just be this menacing villain. That'll, that'll, that'll help. Uh, we you, also get, you mean evil, sexy Hamlet? Evil, sexy Hamlet, which I, I'd watch that. That sounds great. Oh, fucking hilarious. I yeah. love that line. He comes up, he's like, a, give <laughs> evil, sexy Hamlet, evil, sexy Hamlet, and cut. Yeah, I love I love the director, just his over. Like, I think the director's trying to be Tarantino. Oh, you uh, think so? I think so. I think he's trying to settle like this overly enthusiastic, like, oh, that's like, just uh, that ultra enthused. Luke Perry okay. has a yep. cameo in it. And I wrote down, that's another just Rick Dalton type of these guys who are on hit TV shows, but never could break into the movie big time. Mm-hmm. I think it's just littered with these guys. Scoob McNary's in this. Uh, you see them all like all over the place. There's like guys who just, Timothy Oliphant, you could argue, just mm-hmm. never got that huge, huge role. All right, now we're going to Spawn Ranch. Another very long, good scene. This is the, I think, like, it's, I guess it's technically multiple scenes, but, like, it, it's one big sequence. It's a, se- it's a sequence uh, with scenes in it. Right, is it, like, what do you think, 20 minutes? I'm going to look it up right now because I have it pulled up. It's, yeah. It's, it's uh, and it comes uh, in. It's at, really good. I'm with com- you. It comes intense. in at that 17 scenes. So this scene is falters for me a tiny bit because I've rewatched the film before. Sure. And the whole time when I first watched it, I'm like, oh, they're going to kill Brad Pitt. Oh, that, totally. Like, I was I, like, like, he's the, dead. He's a dead he, man. He's a dead man. He's the ominous. <laughs> or he's going to have to fight his way out. <laughs> all right. So he arrives, and we see all the other rest of the Manson family. All they did played, a really good job making them creepy. Making them creepy. Like, and, subtly creepy. And also just having them all played by Hollywood uh, royalties kids, you know? Lena, so this is what you were talking about with all the, the kids. Yeah, like Kevin Smith's daughter's in it, uh, Harley Quinn Smith. 
Uh, by the way, fuck Kevin Smith for marrying his daughter Harley Quinn. That fat fuck. Yeah, <laughs> you get you're a fat fuck. You're a fat fuck, Kevin Smith. I love you to death. You're one of my favorite people of all time. But you're a fat. Yeah, but fuck. you named your kid Harley Quinn. Quinn. <laughs> you asshole. That's fucked up, dude. That is super fucked up. Okay, that's fucked up. She's great. Uh, Lena Dunham's in it. Wait, Didn't I mean, really... I mean, your future kid Bruce Wayne Barry. Bruce, listen again. I'm having twins. Bruce Wayne Barry and Clark Kent Barry. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna fight forever. Yeah, they are destined to fight each other forever. So nerds will be happy. Yeah. Uh, Dakota Fanning plays Squeaky From, in a like completely unrecognizable turn by her. Damn. Uh, so he's like, all right. My whole thing is like, why is he going to visit Wait, this? Wait, Squeaky was Dakota Fanning? Yeah. You didn't realize the redhead that? redhead was Dakota Fanning? That was Dakota Fanning. God damn. Yeah, that's right? Genuine, that's a genuine reaction for me. Yeah. I had no idea. She's, damn, re- girl. she's really good and creepy and fun. Yeah, she's great. Uh, so... He goes. This this scene has my one of my absolute favorite, not favorite line, but favorite line delivery mm-hmm. of the whole movie, which is uh, uh, the women says like, "Oh, you know, when Pussy Cat comes back, <laughs> yeah," and she's like, "Oh, we love Pussy," and he just goes, <laughs> "Yes, we do." <laughs> fucking ten out of ten delivery, Brad. Good job. So good, Brad. Um, yeah, she's like, he goes to see Bruce Dern, who's good old crazy Bruce Dern. That this role was supposed to be played by Burt Reynolds, but he died before they could shoot it. Oh, okay. All yeah, right, very yeah, sad. Yeah. Because that's all these like the whole thing is like he's, the movie is kind of an homage to Burt Reynolds' early. I didn't realize career. that. I just don't know enough about Burt Reynolds. Yeah. yeah. Well, he yeah he he was just this guy who did westerns and stuff, and then never got big. But he it was finally able to get in like B movie schlock, and was just like a charism. He was he was Rick Dalton. He just a yeah. guy, troubled guy. He uh, sees that he's okay, a little fucked up, hanging out with these weird people. Uh, Brad comes out, sees his car is deflated. His car wheels are deflated. And he's like, "All right, you're gonna fucking fix this." And he's like, no. I, "I actually really liked that part of the scene. I did too." And he just beats the shit out of this hippie. <laughs> like, I, I half expected him after doing yeah. that to be like, "All right, see you later," and then go change it. But he's like, "No, fucking fix it." Yeah, fucking fix it. Uh, then we have the great tension of Tex riding in, coming like on a horseback. He's like, "Oh, they're gonna kill Brad Pitt. They're gonna kill Brad Pitt. They're gonna kill Brad Pitt." Nope, he escapes. He drives it's, home. It's he, a thing this whole this movie does a lot. And again, I'm not gonna get into it. Now, but we will for the ending. There's a lot of playing with your expectations. Yeah. Well, the and, whole th- and you know what? That might have been part of the reason people might not have liked it. Exactly. I think. Well, I think the first time I didn't love it as much as I do. It really took the second viewing where I really was able to change my perspective of like what to expect. And I, I think kinda, that was me. That was me with the Hateful Eight. I just yes. kind of liked Hateful Eight the first time I saw it. I love the Hateful Eight now. Yeah, I think that's just that's well, that's what the, I think the beauty of filmmaking is like. The more you watch something, the more you can learn to appreciate. That's that's good art in general. I also was really high the first time I saw the Hateful Eight, so yeah. that probably affected things. Yeah. Um, Goddamn weed, bro. <laughs> yeah, weed, weed, weed alters your state, Kevin. It's bad for you. Oh man, oh man. Make it illegal again, America. America. <laughs> Goddamn it. All right. So this is the end of the day. Cliff picks up uh, Rick. He's like, "What happened to you?" Man, ah, nothing really. It's a good <laughs> and then, but but uh, but fucking yeah. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. Cliff is like, oh, nothing big happened. Rick is like, I had a shit crazy day. <laughs> yeah, like, oh. of course, the actor is so self-involved. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The end of the day, they, they unwind moment. like, hey, you want to drink some beers and watch FBI? Like, fuck yeah, dude. This is I like, love my... their friendship. It's it so, seems very genuine. It's so great. It's so pure. You know why? It's just you and I sitting on TV watching t- a fucking TV show, nitpicking it. Right. And, like, it, like they, the, oh, well, you mean like in this scene where we get, uh, yeah. called it uh, Mystery Science Theater 69? Yeah, 69. Where? <laughs> Like, 
<laughs> it's them being like, uh, Rick's being like, you see that dude? He's a really good dude. Like, I, I enjoyed working with him. Like, oh, that, Brad's like, oh, that was a good stunt. He's like, oh, that guy, prick. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, it's just, it's like a director's commentary, but, director's like, commentary. but unfiltered, you know? And unfil- that's one of the things I'd love to just Oh, no, see. like, the, the, when he's when he's in the car and they pull up and he's like, hey, man, you want to? I'm going to come in and watch my episode of FBI. And he's like, yeah. shit, I already got a six-pack. Want to get some pizza? <laughs> I love that one. It's just, it's just, I love a male friendship. It's, it's just great. it's just guys being dudes, you know? Guys being dudes. What's wrong with that? Uh, he makes the this patriarchy. Just, the patriarchy. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Then we get a final cameo by uh, Marty Schwaz. I, I love that. I don't know why I love it. It's the way he says his name. Marty Schwaz. Al Pacino's. Uh, he's going to go film some spaghetti westerns. And then we jump ahead a year, uh, six months. Like it's it's a it came out of nowhere. It was like two thirds of the movie are over, and we suddenly jump six months. Yeah, like and we, uh, I was like, oh, okay, all yeah. Right, cool. The whole film changes again. Was he again? He chapters them so much. Yeah, he, and he, we and we do like what in most films is terrible, which is the narrator comes in and tells you what happened. But he always does this. He, he always, which does is this. his, which is part of his patented style. But it works when he does it. I doesn't know why. We get more seeing more fake films that I would totally watch. <laughs> oh, Operation Dynamite uh, sounds Dynamite. like a solid ten out of ten. Or how about the Ringo versus the Gringo? <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch all of those. I would watch all, all of those. He gets married in this time to a f- an Italian actress in like six months. Yeah. Again, more of them just smoking and drinking, and, and but as he tells him, he's bad. Basically, he has to break up with Cliff. He's like, I just oh can't, yeah, it's I, like it's it's sad. It's sad. They know their time has come to an end. The seventies are around the corner. Yep. It's a hot I mean, summer. I it's August now. It's like August summer. 69. By the way, might be the absolute best music drop of all time in a film. Maybe what? maybe a little hyperbole. They land on the flight. They come home to Rolling Stone's Baby, We're Out of Time. Oh, yeah. I mean, just well done. Yeah. Just so good. Literally, it basically explains the entire movie to you while you're doing it. While also, you're just looking at this beautiful, these two beautiful men walking. Uh so we're going to try to make them as ugly as possible, but it's, ugly, it's, it's literally impo- literally impossible. Not working. Sharon Tate, she is six months pregnant. Uh, there's more karate going on in the backyard. I'm always a sucker for dudes doing karate in the backyard. <laughs> Everything's moved on. They decide let's get hammered one last time as buddies. I love it. It's great. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, they like put they put the wife to bed. Everyone's like, okay, now we can feel the tension building. They're fucking hammer like all right. Oh, I, I wrote down. I wrote down the word uh oh when I saw the car, the car comes up over the over the hill. Yep, yep. Uh, I like also they go into they're back in the house like dude, fucking be quiet. All right, just be fucking quiet, okay? Like uh, <laughs> like and they just loud as possible making margaritas and the thing like like my girl like I've been in that situation where I'm drunk with a buddy and the girlfriend's sleeping in the other room. They're gonna, and like you know she's gonna yell at us. You know she's gonna <laughs> yell. <laughs> I'll make some margaritas. It's fine. <laughs> I forgot to admit, uh, point out he buys a uh, acid dip cigarette. Brad Pitt. Yeah, I so I thought what was gonna happen with that was Rick was gonna accidentally smoke that at some point because he like says it. He's like, "Hey, I'm leaving this here with all your other cigarettes." By the way, he definitely has lung cancer, right? <laughs> oh, that, lung cancer, liver damage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God knows so what else. He's going to die at like 45. But, uh, 45. Yeah. The, uh, he puts it in there. He's like, hey, don't smoke this by mistake. And he's like, all right, cool. And I was like, all right, so that's our third act. He's going to get high and do something crazy. Do something no, else. he's just like, oh, I left this here. Good thing Rick didn't smoke it. Moving on. Like, uh, he, Brad Pitt says, I'm going to go smoke. This. Turns out you can't smoke acid dip cigarettes. I wouldn't think so. The, no, that's the, not how that it, works. It'll just kill you. 
but yeah. uh, whatever. Uh, also, ra- also, if that whole thing was dipped in that much acid, oh, that's a lot of hits. That's a lot. Well, he's pretty fucked up in this. I mean, he's not like end of the world having a bad trip fucked up. No, you know? well, maybe a little bit. Uh, then we get a glorious scene. All right, the Manson family's coming to murder. They're told They're to coming do coming to this. murder. Coming to murder led by Tex. In the backseat is Maya Hawk, Ethan Hawk, and Uma Thurman's daughter. God damn, it's meta. Oh, I didn't realize it was Maya Hawk. Yeah. Oh, she, totally she's is, the one yeah. that she's the one that chickens out oh okay cool 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 yeah um, like she got really fa- big for uh, uh strange things, things yeah and also just being again hollywood royalty so we get an even better moment when they're getting yelled at um kevin i'm sure you picked up on the huge sean barry vibes when he comes out in a robe holding a pitcher of margaritas Dude, drinking i like i i'm glad you brought it up because i was gonna bring it up but i was like oh my god and i'm like uh, i need sean's probably like pissing himself laughing at this. i needed you guys to validate me that i Tarantino stole that from my lifestyle. You, you started the that energy. Yeah, in the spring of 2015. Yeah, that is big Barry energy. That's big, and you know what? I don't have the tapes. No one has the tapes. No one has the tapes. There's definitely the, possibly summer 2014. I I definitely definitive. I might have been, as you know what I think is I think it was winter 2014 into summer 2015 is the orig- origination. Yeah, I mean like I like definitely. By summer 2015, that was big Barry energy right there. Big Barry energy. I haven't done it as much anymore. Oh, I mean, I, like, yeah, I need no, to, I, mean, I need no. to live. But, uh, but like, him just drinking that margarita out of the, like, in the straight... middle of the cul-de-sac, drunk off his ass, <laughs> yelling at these hippies. That like, exactly. I can't imagine a better lifestyle. I really can't. It's like, oh, hey, you're dying at 45. <laughs> who doesn't want? Hey, just the whole like, a Rick Dalton's house rules. Uh, his art of himself everywhere rules. His pool <laughs> rules. The margaritas. The uh, I like that. I had the old uh, ice chipper to open it. I was like, I, like I know that's an old thing, but I was like, that was cool. Yeah, Maybe I haven't a, seen one of those in a while. Apparently, these people don't use ice trays anymore. They it comes from the machine. Oh yeah, but yeah. as someone who doesn't have an ice machine, I do that. Yeah, stuff. You, you fucking son of a bitch. No, I know. Um, uh, no, I don't. I don't have an ice machine. I know you son of a bitch. Get an ice machine. No, oh, well, okay. Buy cool. an ice machine. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, you can. Yeah, you, uh, they're probably yeah. L- right. Um, okay. But but what, what the the vibes I got from them? Uh, so like you know he scares off yeah the Manson kids. Mm-hmm. They go down to the bottom of the hill. This scene felt a lot like the hood scene in Django. Yes, big, you know what I mean. Big, like big showing these scary people are actually imbeciles. Yes, I, I enjoyed that a lot. It wasn't I, as funny as the as, as the, the Django hood scene, no. but it was still pretty good. But well, I think it's like you could feel the contempt he has. For what these monsters did to somebody, like oh, that's yeah, totally. that's what that's what people love. Tarantino revenge flicks, right? Is he truly takes it out on people who fucking deserve it? Well, he did it. Oh, I haven't got there. I've read the one line that said, when they're like, "Was that Rick Dalton?" It's like that was Rick Dalton. I used to watch. I used to watch that show all the time, and I'm like, I feel like that's what everybody would do. Um, yeah. So then they come back. Brad Pitt's stoned as fuck gonna feed Brandy, and they're like, "All right, let's go kill Rick Dalton. Be symbolic." And they show up, and they're like, <laughs> Leo's in the pool, just chilling out with Margs, listening to music. <laughs> yeah, he's having a good time. And they get, they probably come upon the worst person to try and kill in Cliff Booth. And he's like, I'm and he's dead. high, and he's high off his rock. high off his fucking ass. Brandy, he just, just he just licked dog food. Yep, Brandy's just there. He's like, what's your name again? He's like, I'm the devil. Come here. He's just nah. Was Which is a real thing that that guy in real life actually said. Yeah. But then he was he returns was like, nah, it was something stupider than that. <laughs> Which is so right. fucking funny. Which is just a guy tearing a guy completely down. Incredible. And then he hits him with that and the dog mauls the fucking guy. She 
The way the the can of dog food hits that woman's face. In the face. In the, in the fucking face. face. <laughs> and then the knife comes at her and he just trips her and then he starts bashing her head against the telephone. It's brutal. Brutal. So this this just, is the this is the Tarantino scene. This is the thing everybody wants to see out of a Tarantino film, and he executes it perfectly. Yeah, it's, it's so hyper violent. It's so brutal, so dark, so grim. You know, and then he, like he's just defeating all of them, but high off his ass with just his dog. The one goes through the plate glass window into the pool. <laughs> she, just scr- she screams Scream. for the last like five minutes of this scene. Yeah, just screaming, ah! like running around hilarious running around hilariously (laughs) rick's decision when he sees her oh shit i need to do something goes into the shed and pulls out his fucking flamethrower and barbecues that bitch it it like you know because i didn't realize that he still had it i didn't know it was in the i didn't know yeah it just like it it put a big old like smile on my face when that flamethrower came out Yep, and he's just like, "Oh shit!" That got the biggest applause in the theater when I saw it. I was like, "Oh, that doesn't all... surprise me at all." And we were all in on just watching people massacre children, and I'm like, "Yeah, we were," because we know what they really did. Right. So I... that's the thing. That's the thing is like this whole ending sequence, and we'll get to the like the very yeah. end in a second. But this is alternate history. A hundred percent. It's just like it's just like Inglorious Bastards, where it's like, yeah, yeah, Hitler died here. Yeah. So you like, know? it's the altered Tarantino verse history. Right. And uh, so it it's just I don't it, it like that's another subversion of expectation. Exactly. You know? Because we were expecting them to attack the Manson or maybe even Sharon gets involved. But that's why it's a fairy tale, right? He's just telling the story of these two heroes saved Sharon Tate without even meaning to. Right. And right. like and Sharon Tate's character does nothing. Does nothing. She just lives her life on a hot, sweaty right. day, maybe you know, little baby bump problems. But that's, it's that's, what it's what she represents more than anything exactly and she represents right. a hopeful future for everybody which is why at the very end when rick's like hey she's like invites rick up it's like oh maybe rick has a chance in the future too all right. from this one weird night oh you mean like when the, the gates open like it's the fucking gates of heaven like the gates of heaven and he gets to go into this future right and uh even though cliff gets a little left behind high off his ass like all right I'm, i'll see you later yeah, he's like, <laughs> see you tomorrow he got stabbed he's like ah oh, shit that was bad I, I mean, like Brad Pitt's character is just the chillest guy, and there's but it's not a it's not a meme like like yeah. the like the dude yeah. in Big Lebowski. It's not a meme. It's just he's just the chillest, most stable guy in the whole the Who's whole place. Who's also a psychopathic murderer, right? He well, fair, but he could <laughs> yeah. he could have also like okay. So other versions of characters, yeah. When told that their time together is over, he could have freaked out. He could yeah. have gotten mad. But no, he's just like, all right, cool. Let's yeah. Move on. Yeah. He got, he had a plight help, like learning, like, yeah, like he saw, he saw it coming too. He didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah. But he's like, I'm not going to weigh my friend down. Like, which by the way, God, nothing ruins a French, male friendship quite like a wife, huh? <laughs> Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> you keep that in. You keep that in, you son of a bitch. They, they're not going to fucking listen. I don't know what listens. If you guys listen and you got offended by that, Venmo me $5. <laughs> That's how I'll know. That's how I'll know you're telling the truth. Um, There's a really solid chance they do listen, I'm just saying. No, they're not going to fucking listen. All right, that's fair. All right. Nothing, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> ah, oops. It wouldn't be the first time she got mad at me for something uh-huh, I said on my podcast. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> tell me more uh, tell right. me more you want don't. you want a quick bad take a lot of people a lot of criticism against more criticism against the film is the violence against women at the end 
Uh, another, I think it's just a straight up bad take because those women were murderers who were going to kill. They were going to be mur- They were going to murder. And in real life, they did murder. And guess what? They got what they deserved. Yeah. Was it graphic? Yeah, hell yeah, it was. And it, uh, was, I mean, it, it it's it doesn't fit in, I guess, with the rest of the movie. But it's a Tarantino scene, and it's just it's just yeah. incredible. Well, I mean, it kind of reminds me of the first time I watched Hateful Eight. Yeah, where the first like half of the movie is very normal. And then the second half just gets so fucking bloody. Bloody and violent and gory. And again, because that's what Tarantino does. He makes characters who aren't just noble heroes where that stop that stop a problem. Yeah. They are char- mud- muddied characters who move from scene to scene as if it's their normal life. And they're yeah. trying their best. Yeah, definitely. So that's uh, me on Tarantino. Uh, we can get into our awards now. Oh, yeah. Though, viewing I forgot diary. about that shit. Yeah, I definitely. know, right? Well, we are long on this podcast, but... I, there's a lot of good shit to say, I think. It sucks. <laughs> so, let's start with best actor. I think I just have two. And it's a, oh, I got two. DiCaprio and Pitt, right? Yeah, and if I had to go between them, I mean, I know Brad won Mess. the award. I got to go Leo. I think I go Pitt. Uh, oh, that's fair. I think, it's, I think it's a fair split because this is kind of Pitt's movie. Because he is the way you take away from it. Like, I think DiCaprio is incredible. Like, like it's, you really can't go wrong. But for them, I'm just like, yeah, I think Brad Pitt's the coolest, man. His, his, he is. He his, is. His I, career... just, I, think, I think that Leo has more you... nuance and more variety to his acting in this movie. Well, I, I think that's fair. He is very much kind of not playing Brad Pitt, but he's playing. Well, you know, he's playing the role everyone always makes the joke of is he's always been a character actor in a leading man's body. And that's kind of what this is to a T, right? Like he's the yeah. supporting role, even though he's clearly the lead. Well, it's their co-leads, the two of them. Uh, they're both great. You can't go uh, wrong. That's a fair split. I mean, they're they're clearly. I mean, everyone, you know, everyone's doing a good job for the most part. It's yeah. the, like it's just their movie. Yeah. Worst actor. I only have one. I only. I also only have one. Who you got? Lena Dunham. Oh, I was gonna say Al Pacino. Nah, Marty Schwaz. Al, Al Pacino is just Al Pacino. He He's is not just doing Al, anything. But I enjoy it, and Lena Dunham's the worst. I mean, she is. She's Which just, one is Lena Dunham again? She's uh, one of the family members that like first greets Pussycat when they come back. Okay, all right. She doesn't actually do that bad of a job. I just hate Lena Dunham. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Uh, worst scene, I have nothing applicable. You could say a couple of them are a little too long. Yeah, but... the only the, the one I was going to mention this earlier, is, like the one where I pulled up my phone because I was just like looking at my phone. Yeah. Was when she was trying to get into the theater by being recognized. That's yeah. it. It's not a bad scene. It's just like I, I, I wasn't it is, into it. It is much. a you could have cut it, but I won't say it's a bad scene by any stretch. No, I won't either. I won't either. Like I would say it's least best for me, if that makes sense. That's fair. Okay. Now this is the hard one where I have best scenes. I have a lot of nominees. I got like nine or ten. Yeah, I have around that too. Yeah, but like that's just the whole movie. Like a Tarantino <laughs> movie largely at the end of the day is just a collection of really cool scenes that get strung together. Pretty much. So that's I'll, what a Tarantino movie is. <laughs> so here we go. All right. I'll, because I think these are the absolute standouts. I go Rick Dalton's early movies. Yeah, that's great. Uh, the Playboy Mansion. I have that too. Brad Pitt's shirtless reveal. <laughs> just yeah. him taking his shirt off. Followed immediately by the Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee fight scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I got the Bruce Lee fight scene. Yeah, okay. I like that one a lot. Uh, Rick Dalton forgetting his lines. Uh, I just wrote down Johnny Madrid into... <laughs> Eight whiskey sours. Eight whiskey sours. I gave it his own separate thing. I think yeah. it should be. It's its own scene. Yeah. Uh, I said at Spawn Ranch. I said just Cliff being the shit out of the hippie. Yep. Um, I said them watching FBI. Uh, Mystery Science Theater. Nineteen sixty nine. Nineteen sixty nine. Followed by their uh, "You're Out of Time" by the Rolling Stones montage. Sure. 
I think that's great. And I follow that up with just, you're the devil. I'm, I'm the devil here. To, and then he's like, nah, something stupider than that. Nah, it's just, uh, I mean, that. them, them murdering the Manson family. I got most of those. Yeah. Uh, uh, I got most of those. The only other one I have the, uh, before the killing scene. So then like in the car, like doing the hood thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, them, like revealing that they're actually idiots. Okay. Uh, I love that. I love the whole ranch scene, but if I had to pick, it would probably be the, the buildup of tension and then like. The dude is just actually old and blind, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, yeah. And it's pretty, like, subtly funny, I think. Yeah, I, I only reason I didn't put those in is because I think it's just in hindsight, where the tension's a little out for me when I know what happens. Oh, sure, yeah. So. Uh, practicing lines in the pool. Practicing lines in the pool, that's great. Because it just looks great. It does, it looks so good. And then finally, this is this is a this is a cop-out, is not it, but just any driving scene. Yeah. There's just so many good driving just, scenes. Just like, I love it. I love when he puts the steady cam on the back of the camera, you're just looking at their heads, he's like, yep. Most driving scenes, you just see it from their perspective, so you can just see it have a car. But them, see them in a car driving is cool. If I had to pick a best scene for Leo, it was Eight Whiskey Sours. Eight Whiskey Sours. All right, we could, we could do that up. We're going to split up. But who has the best scene? What's the best scene amongst our three leads? How about that? Yep. Uh, so, for me, Leo, easily. You could have eight Whiskey Sours, you fucking alcoholic. You could have stopped at three or four. <laughs> if you don't, I'm going to blow. If you don't get your last, I'm going to blow your fucking brains out. <laughs> like, Jesus too uh, too relatable i'll also give up any shout just him chugging fucking margs out of the thing for the for the big berry energy <laughs> big berry energy baby I, yeah. want, I want that on a t-shirt it's just yeah. it's like it's just like you in cartoon form but like with an open hawaiian bathrobe <laughs> chugging a, a pitcher yeah. margarita me and my underwear open open hawaiian shirt chugging a marg <laughs> uh best brad pitt scene <sighs> i think it might be the shirtless reveal just him taking. His shirt I mean, off. it's great. I would probably go the Bruce Lee scene for me because I think I, it was the first time I was like, "Oh, he's actually acting here." I think I, I think I have to give it to Bruce Lee. But man, again, I wish I wish I recorded the audience's reaction. It's so important, like just seeing the way a bunch of women oh. in their four, the way that these women in their forties wet themselves at a, in a movie theater. I, I, I realize I might sound gross. Like, oh, how can you sex? I'm telling you, that is exactly what happened. <laughs> Best Sharon Tate scene. It's hard. It is hard because she doesn't have any like stand. I think, I think I just like her watching Sharon Tate. I would give it. And that's uh, a really good one. I was gonna say the party at the Playboy. It's not about her. I just love the set dressing and everything. I th- yeah, but, th- that's cool. I I would love to go back to, in time and just chill at the Playboy Mansion in the sixties. No, you wouldn't. How gross that would be. I mean, the way you I said deal it with earlier, Kevin. I'm be, I'd be drinking Margs with Rick Dalton ahead of time. I wouldn't notice. You wouldn't notice that you're currently covered in cum. Oh, all right. This is a digression. I've heard this story. Rob Lowe tell this story. He uh, <laughs> he was at the Playboy Mansion in the 90s, early 90s, and uh, he was having a smoke, having a couple drinks. Actually, you know, I think he was sober, so it might have been the 80s. He wasn't sober yet, uh, and he's just talking to a girl, and uh, she starts uh, like having a normal conversation. Like, I am Rob Lowe. I'm in these movies. I'm, I'm handsome. That's what I assume he says to everybody. And then uh, she's like, oh, that's really cool. I really like that going on and he turns around and looks she's getting fucked <laughs> fucked from behind oh god just in the pool just like he's having a conversation she's getting fucked <laughs> i'm like holy shit what a time to be alive damn so yeah those are our best scenes yeah uh our fury road freaks of the film i get i only have the manson family yeah it's just the manson family like if i had to pick out specifics i'd say clem clem literally looks like he's out of mad max fury road he really does, yeah. Squeak, squeaky scares me. Squeaky from scary. Uh, Tex let the end. Loney's more strung out. Yep. And then uh, George 
George. In the George. bed. What? Fuck it. Huh? I'm who blind. I am blind. Who are you? But who are you? She's just being. Oh, it's an old man. Yeah. So I give it to we'll give it the Manson family as a whole. Manson family. It's it's just they get they get to share. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have our Sir Jorah Mormont slash Stephen J. Gomez Memorial butt plug of the film. I couldn't I, really come up with one. I only have two, and they're not yeah. really butt plugs. But I'd say Al Pacino's Marty Schwaz. Yes, yeah, that's a fair. Because yep, he's introducing fair. the concept, all these concepts. Yep. He gets and things then, rolling anyway. And then I think I would give uh, Kurt Russell for just his dude. He fucking killed his wife. <laughs> just that oh, ten yeah. Way. yeah, just that one because, line. Because yeah. it is just exposition and it's played for laughs. But like, it is butt plugging of him of him to do that. But I love. I guess I got to give it to Kurt then. Yeah, I think so. It's a very important detail because we find out what a psychopath Cliff Booth actually is. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's good. Yeah, go Kurt Russell. Um, we can't. There is actually nobody. I know it's a small part being any better because all the small parts are played by way better people. <laughs> like, oh, I know. Like everyone, he doing beat a good us job. to the he beat us to the joke. He did, but I mean, there's like a meta version of this, which yeah. is um, when the the scene outside of the saloon, the first one on the yeah. the TV show pilot, the guy who's like the mediary between Timothy Oliphant and Leo's character. Oh, yeah. He's intentionally bad acting. Yes, intentionally like yeah. So nobody's nobody's bad. They're all right. pretty good. They're all pretty good character actors too. Like yeah. Uh, so sometimes a film is just firing on all also, cylinders yeah. in the good way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Recastings. Uh, originally, uh, um, Tarantino thought about Jennifer Lawrence for Squeaky From. Okay, I could see yeah. that. I could see that. Yeah, too. Uh, Burt Reynolds, as I said earlier, was going to be George Spawn. Yep. And that's all I could really find. Uh, mm. Apparently, there was a uh, cut scene with Sam Jackson. But... Uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. He wasn't in this movie. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, I don't know where you'd fit him in. But I, I, all right, so that. for his next film, I hope Sam Jackson's the lead. Yeah, because it'd be great to come full circle. Full circle. And also, he's like, A, Tarantino needs a Best Picture win and Best Director win. And Sam Jackson needs a Best Actor win. And putting those guys back together for one last ride... I oh, think it's the, it's the way to force the Academy to do it. And listen, we we all agree the Academy Awards are stupid. It don't really matter, but, you know. It's nice. It's nice for them. You know, they yeah. need it. Uh, random trivia. The film received a seven-minute standing ovation when it premiered at Cannes. I hear those kind of stories, and sometimes yeah. I'm like, okay, that's a bit excessive. It's, it's actually a thing at Cannes where they, they, they try to do those things. Yeah, it's like, okay. All right. uh, the Cadillac that Brad Pitt drives the whole time actually belongs to Michael Madsen. Oh, nice! Because yeah, uh, he's in the movie too, right? As Joe Gage, Joe Gage in the, for the quick, quick hot moments. That's basically all I've had. Uh, he I w- mean, we we went into it earlier. Yeah, we went into I pretty all, all these stuff. I and mean, there's other stuff you can find, like other actors. Like uh, the, this was Luke Perry's last film. Right. Uh, Tarantino did not approach Polanski about putting him in the movie because he hates. Uh, he res- admires Polanski as a filmmaker, but hates him as a guy. Fair enough. Uh, this is the first film Tarantino made without the help of the Weinstein Company. Oh, well, yeah, that's yes. a, that's one of the reasons why people hate Tarantino is that he, Weinstein, the Weinstein's did find Tarantino and plucked him out and gave him the money to make his movies, and he always, mm-hmm. they were always the production company behind them. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a whole ball uh, of wax. <laughs> that's a that's a different podcast. Uh, so other than that, and it starts right now. No, we're not. This is already long enough. All right, I have some other people's hot takes. This is by Cookie. Here's the thing. Like, some of the bad reviews are just straight up they didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. It was hard to find really funny ones, but there's a couple of one, good ones. Right. Uh, this is by Cookie. This is two stars. This was edited like a Family Guy episode. Not entirely, but sometimes. <laughs> a little bit. Like, the, like, like there's, like, four times 
you get like a quick cutaway flashback. I think the gag. worst when when they just jump cut when he's talking to Timothy Oliphant is the yeah. weirdest edits. Yeah, that one's weird. Sitting through this whole thing was no small feat. By oh Katie Snow. boo! One star by Katie Snow. Oh god, fucking feet. All right, keep going. Believe it or not, this is Tarantino's sweetest movie. It combines the melancholy of Jackie Brown with the over-the-top gleeful mayhem of Inglorious Bastards by Chris uh, Chris Angel. <laughs> Okay. It's Chris. It's Chris Evan Angel. He gave it four and a half stars. Oh, good. All right. Good. And then finally, this is by Max. Margot Robbie's role in this movie is my role in a group project. Three and a half stars. <laughs> hey, she gets an A too. Does she? A plus all around. Uh, Kevin, do you think we passed the Bechtel test? Good question. Yes. It does. Yes, it does. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> it uh, because all the all the Manson family ladies are are named, and they have discussions not about men. May it be brief or not. Just murdering men. And all that does, Kevin, do you think this is a 10? Did I overrate it? I don't think you overrated it too much, but I'm at a 9. That's fair. I think it's still a 10 for me. As I said Oh, that's fair. You know what? In fact, I think we should enter it as a 10 because you know what's going to happen? What? When I watch it again, I'll probably think it's a 10. Okay, that's good to know. I'd love to see how you feel in like a couple months where you watch it. Yeah, because again, that's what happened with Hateful Eight. Mm -hmm. My first viewing of Hateful Eight, I gave it like a 7. Yeah. And now I think Hateful Eight's a 9. Yeah, that's that's pretty much So, all right. You want to do a quick rundown of our rankings of uh, Tarantino? Yeah, you give yours. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so number nine, I have Death Proof. Uh, yeah, I've never seen it. It's it's a solid seven. It's a fun. It's well, it's, he made the point that they were grindhouse. They're supposed to be schlocky. Right, there's right, a lot right. of fun and there's some really cool action in it. But it just, you know, it's missing that pizzazz. You know, like that. Mm-hmm. Like this is like yep. a uh, number eight for me is Kill Bill. The Kill Bills, because he counts them as yep. one movie. Yeah, uh, I I people don't like this opinion of me because I'm just like it's just like the action is great and some of the dialogue is excellent. But there's just nothing else to it to me. You know, like, mm-hmm. I really, was like, what else do you want in the movie? Like, I don't know. It just it needs something else. Uh, six or seven. Reservoir Dogs. Mm. Great. Just a little dated. Uh, you know, very. it's a very simple movie. Uh, six, Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. Five, Pulp Fiction. Yep. Four, Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. Three, Django Unchained. Two, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And number one, Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mine are like completely different okay <laughs> like almost completely different almost completely different okay uh, i i have not i actually i'm just ranking them really quickly because i didn't write it down ahead of time yeah but should, um should have prepared well i didn't know we were doing this but um, prepared. uh so right off the bat i've never seen jackie brown i've never seen death proof they'll just set those aside they might be somewhere in there um but uh I'm probably forgetting some, honestly, because there's those two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, I'm trying to think where I'd fit this one. Uh, well, first of all, my number one is always Django. Okay. okay. Django is fucking incredible. I love I, Django uh, Unchained. I rewatched it. My, it was my dad's first time watching. I rewatched it uh, like yeah. two weeks ago. Loved it. Oh, yeah. God. I love Django. Yeah. Number two is Hateful Eight. Really? Okay. I, I love the Hateful Eight. Yeah. Like, Hateful Eight is the one of the best movies with atmosphere I've ever watched. Yeah. Where, like, you just get absorbed in the atmosphere. Oh. And like you can really lean in, mm-hmm. it's it's great. Um, not gonna disagree. Uh, three is Pulp Fiction. Okay, I think I think it. I think a, a repeat viewing now, it would probably drop a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I think it hasn't Fiction, aged well. I mean, we're not. Well, I think we'll do every Tarantino movie on this. I think that'll be at some point. Yeah. We put we should put all those onto the list. I think because like yeah, unlike uh, he is a franchise into himself, but they are all too unique and different that they all need to be talked right. about in full. So yeah, pulp pulp is uh, pulp is a legendary film, but uh, I think it's aging not as great as people think. And then I would put um, I'd put Inglorious Bastards next. I think I need to rewatch that. It's been a long time since I've seen that one. Yeah, 
Then I put Reservoir Dogs, and then I put Kill Bill. Am I forgetting any? No, I think you said them all because you haven't seen Jackie Brown or Death Proof, so. Right. And so, as far as where I'd put this one right now, I think it's very good. I very much enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I'd probably put it in the Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards range. Probably, like, somewhere three to five. Okay. I really, I, really liked it. That's fair. All right. Here's your, here's your homework assignment. I think you need to... We're going we're gonna to make you stew. Yeah. You're going to stew on this, Kevin. And you're going to get back to us for next week for next week's podcast. I mean, I'm not going to, like, come back and be like, it's a 10. Like, that's well, no, I'm happen. not saying it needs to be a 10. I'm just saying where exactly it would, you're going to put it. Yeah, okay. The, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I do need a stew on it. You're right. You need, you need a stew. You did just you watch it for the first time today. So. But I, th- I think we can enter it as a 10 for now. We're I think... definitely entering a 10 in our in our lexicon. Yeah, I got it right here. Enter that one. Because now we got to replace it, don't we? we got to figure we, out what we're watching next week. We do, everybody. So this is how we do things. We have a short list. Uh, where Kevin's going to roll a six-sided die to see what uh, takes it out of our top, our running top ten list. In our current tens, from one to six, we have one, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Two, seen it. The Social Network. Oh, great. Three, Casablanca. Never seen it. Four, The Exorcist. Scary. Five, Almost Famous. Never seen it. And six, Boogie Nights. Oh, what a classic. All right, ready? Yeah, give it to me. Casablanca. Interesting. Casablanca. See, that's a rolled classic a, film. Yeah, I rolled a three. I haven't watched it since watching it in a film class years ago. But I, I mean, it's a classic film class movie. It is a classic film class movie. All right. Are you ready for our next big roll? This is your chance, Kevin. I mean, we've gone from a one to a ten. Anything could happen at this point. You yeah. know what? Yeah. I don't even care if I do roll a one. I already popped that cherry, baby. Let's. It doesn't matter. I don't know, Kevin. Back-to-back ones for you. That'd be... I don't care. I don't care anymore. Let's see what we got. I don't care. Oh, shit. What you get? A 10. Oh, back to back 10. I'm going to take a picture and send it to you. All right. I, like, that's we did it happened. The verification. There we go, Kevin. That's how you do it. Yeah. yeah. Shit, I, I can't. Oh, my God. Have we, yeah, we've gotten back to backs before, haven't we? No, I don't think we have. No, we've gotten back to back fours before. I feel like we have. Yeah, oh, we had back to back eights a while ago, too. Yeah. Okay. So we didn't get a chance to. I didn't get a chance to preface what, what you wanted to watch. But we're watching Casablanca. All right, cool. All right, it's available on HBO Max because, according to Space Jam 2, their film library is the absolute best. Uh, the film <laughs> is a staple of cinematic history, uh, considered one of the greatest films ever made. Uh, just to give it a little rundown, a cynical expatriate American cafe owner struggles to decide whether or not to help his former lover and her fugitive husband escape the Nazis in French Morocco. I'm very ready for the same thing that happened to me when I watched... Uh, chinatown mm-hmm. which is where i'll be like oh that's where that comes from yeah so you know like i know about plating and sam and i know about of all the gin joints in all the world and i know about this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship yeah there's a lot of classic lines yeah. a lot of classic stuff i'm excited to watch this i love the fact that we're not just doing pop films you know like this is well the thing is, ironically this was a pop film at the time it's just uh you know we um you know, we every time people see like a black and white movie from the forge, they're like, oh, it must suck. It's probably boring. No, man, but some of them are classic. S- some classics are classic for a reason. Some of them really hold up. <laughs> some so, of them are super racist. Yeah, we'll some of them, a lot, a lot. I, I bet we will get a couple of you. I mean, it's going to be really cool tonally to go from this this movie we just watched about the end of like the golden era yeah and one that's like right in the prime of it you know right in the start of it you know right the start of the golden age of hollywood yeah the 40s and yeah. 50s into yeah i think well, that want... ups my average a little bit it does you want to do the math uh, you don't need to do the math but you probably bump from a 5.2 to like a, what 5.4 oh i think it'll it'll do something like that Let's that's see like that's when a guy's hitting like 100 but he goes for three for three you know <laughs> oh yeah totally uh let's see what it does uh oh no i just i goofed it up oh no 
Oh, no, I broke it. Oh, no. Cut away. <laughs> Cut away. Oh, no. What did you do? Was that I a die? Oh. I think you did, you... did you pick a new dice? Oh, yeah, totally. Okay, yeah, that's why. I like the gold trimming on it. It looks good. Oh, yeah. It's, all right, everybody. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see you next week, baby. See you. Thank you all. Soon. Oh, and Ben Affleck. Uh, stop. You need to quit drinking again, buddy. I saw the photos with you and Jennifer Lopez. And you were drunk. Oh, Benny, 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 Benny. All right, all right, Benny. We love you. Come on the pod. Come on the pod. We love you. Bye.